Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We do have a lot to talk about here tonight. Your calls are, of course, the primary element, if you make them, 800-259-9231. And did you guys hear about this global warming, like, shocking revelation that I, a couple of people passed me some emails wherein essentially... It's, they're some, calling it Climate Gate. Some hacker cracked into some computers at apparently the University of East Anglia's Climate Research Unit and released 61 megabytes of confidential files onto the Internet. And according to um, according to the story here, they are questioning the climate change people. Like, essentially had discovered that these scientists professors, uh, somehow managed to, in, in spite of the, the scientific method, managed to pass lies off to people as the truth in the form of science. Let me share some of this. From Peer the, review or not. Yeah, from they essentially just scam. They're scamming people. Uh, and I'm sure it's in order so that they can keep getting funding for doing new studies and things like that. Uh, James Dellingpole over at the Telegraph in the UK says that if you own any shares in alternative en- energy companies, I'd start dumping them now. The conspiracy behind the anthropogenic global warming myth. Anthropomorphogenic or something like that. No, right? anthro, it, unless he's misspelling it, it looks like anthropogenic. Okay. Uh, global warming myth has been suddenly, brutally, and quite deliciously exposed after a hacker broke into the computers at that university and, re- and uh, released the info. When you read some of those files, including 1,079 emails and uh, 72 documents, you realize just why the boffins at the Hadley CRU might have preferred to keep them confidential. As Andrew Bolt puts it, this scandal could well be the greatest in modern science. These alleged emails, supposedly exchanged by some of the most prominent scientists pushing this particular global warming theory, uh, suggest that, Conspiracy, collusion, and exaggerating warming data, possibly illegal destruction of embarrassing information, organized resistance to disclosure, manipulation of data, private admissions of flaws in their public claims, and much more. One of the alleged emails has a gentle gloat over the death in 2004 of John L. Daly, uh, commenting, in an odd way, this is cheering news. John Daly, of course, is, uh, according to the story, one of the uh, first climate change skeptics, and founder of the Still Waiting for Greenhouse website. But perhaps the most damaging revelations, the scientific equivalent of the Telegraph MP's expenses scandal, are those concerning the way warmest scientists may variously have manipulated or suppressed evidence in order to support their cause. Here are a few tasters. So far, we can only refer to them as alleged emails, because though Hadley CRU's director has confirmed the break-in, He has yet to fess up to any specific contents. But if genuine, they suggest dubious practices such as manipulation of evidence. Now, he's actually citing excerpts from some of these emails and these documents here. So this is what he's, uh, these, these are the citations. Quote, I've just completed Mike's nature trick of adding in the real temps to each series for the last 20 years. And from 1961 for Keith's to hide the decline also reveals private doubts about whether the world is really heating up. Quote, the fact is that we can't account for the lack of warming at the moment, 
and it's a travesty that we can't. The series data published in uh, the August sup- uh, BAMS 09 supplement on 2008 shows there would be e- there should be even more warming, warming, but the data are surely wrong. Our observing system is inadequate. It also reveals suppression of evidence. Quotes, can you delete any emails you may have had with Keith regarding a certain thing? Keith will do likewise. He's not in at the moment. Can you also email Gene and get him to do the same? We'll be getting Casper to do it likewise. Fantasies of violence against prominent climate skeptic scientists. Quote, next time I see Pat Michaels at a scientific meeting, I'll be tempted to beat the crap out of him. Very tempted. Attempts to disguise the inconvenient <laughs> People truth. People getting beat, the, the crap beaten out of them at scientific conventions. Yeah. <laughs> Attempts that to, dis- best. to disguise the inconvenient truth of the medieval warm period. Now, what is the medieval warm period? Do you uh, recall that? Yeah, the medieval warm period is uh, about the 1400s, I guess. Um, what's that make it? The 13th century, when the uh, those those Viking fellas, not only did they they found Iceland, but uh, Greenland too. And even where where there's a glacier now, there's there there used to be people, you know, working those farms and stuff. So the world has been warmer than it is today and somehow we survived that experience i mean the idea is that uh, that, that huge catastrophes will occur if the earth warms up a couple few degrees fahrenheit is the way it's been sold to us yeah polar bears dying mass extinctions uh, tidal waves uh, huge amounts swaths of real estate completely submerged uh, just you know absolute catastrophes and i don't know but uh, you know if real estate does submerge then i guess that's what happens and i don't have any I have, you know, what what is going to happen to my house if it just, you know, the, for some reason the side of the mountain just slides right off? Well, I, you know, I, big deal. <laughs> the world's going to go on. So basically, the medieval warm period is uh, something that these people wish didn't exist because, uh, or that that it never existed. Absolutely, because it just pretty much invalidates all their claims about the world getting warmer because of man's hand. Because there certainly weren't any motor cars puttering around back then. It was horse poop. Yeah. So here's their attempts to disguise the inconvenient truth. Uh, quote, Phil and I have recently submitted a paper using about a dozen NH records that fit this category, and many of which are available nearly two, 2K back. I think that trying to adopt a time frame of 2K rather than the usual 1K addresses a good earlier point that Peck made regards with regards to the memo that it would be nice to try to contain the putative medieval warm period. They call it the MWP in their little uh, texts. Even if we don't yet have a hemispheric mean reconstruction available that far back. Uh, back to the story of the Telegraph. And perhaps most reprehensibly, a long series of communications discussing how to best squeeze dissenting scientists out of the peer review process. How, in other words, to create a scientific climate in which anyone who disagrees with their theory can be written off as a crank. Well, they basi- that basically has been done in the public because you'll, they'll say a consensus of scientists uh, you know, already believe this. Quit, quit arguing it. Mm-hmm. NPR addresses it as if it is the gospel. Uh, there's there's absolutely no doubt the global warming's come along as far as NPR is concerned. And it's just it's just propaganda. I mean, you repeat something over and over again, people start to believe it's true, right? Absolutely. 
Uh, so the quote there uh, is that this was the danger of always criticizing the skeptics for not publishing the peer-reviewed literature. Obviously, they found a solution to that. Take over a journal. So what do we do about this? I think we have to stop considering climate research as a legitimate peer-reviewed journal. Perhaps we should encourage our colleagues in the climate research community to no longer submit to or cite papers in this journal. So the journal is too skeptical for them, and they're saying, well, we just need to uh, you know, essentially blackball them. Uh, we would need to consider what we tell our re- or request of our more reasonable colleagues who currently sit on the editorial board. What do others think? I'll be emailing the journal to tell them I'm having nothing more to do with it until they rid themselves of this troublesome editor. It results from this journal having a, uh, having a number of editors. The responsible one for this is a well-known skeptic in New Zealand. He has led a few papers through uh, by a couple authors in the past. I've had words with somebody else about this, but got nowhere. Another thing to discuss. Right. So this is just this isn't uh, them talking about lying. This is them talking about squashing any other opinion that might be different than theirs. That's right. Uh, According to back to the story of the Telegraph in September, uh, the author says, I wrote up a story here as how the global warming industry is based on a massive lie. The researchers were exposed as having cherry picked data in order to support their untrue claim that global temperatures had risen higher at the end of the 20th century than at any time in the last millennium. They also were the organization which, in contravention to all of acceptable behavior in the international scientific community, spent years withholding data from researchers it deemed unhelpful to its cause. This matters because Hadley CRU, the organization in question here, established in 1990, uh, is a government-funded body which is supposed to be a model of rectitude. Its HADCRUT record is one of the four official sources of global temperature data used by the IPCC. So the organization here that was broken into, that had their all of their emails splayed out on the Internet for everybody to read, is a government-funded organization with an agenda. An agenda. And this should not come as no surprise to anyone in the scientific community. This happens all the time. More coming up. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Some restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. According to the story here, the Telegraph, that we're sharing with you, there's been a break, a break-in, that has resulted in some very interesting information coming out about this whole climate change phenomenon thing that is supposed to be a scientific consensus which of course we all know that's not really possible because well science doesn't tend to come to consensuses or consensi on things uh, because science is all about trying to uh, from what i understand disprove 
claims, prove or disprove claims. And there are still plenty of people out there that um, do not believe the claims of those who would, would claim that uh, the Earth is getting warmer. And in, in fact, uh, you've got the, globe, the, uh, the, medieval warming, uh, the medieval warm period, which shows that at, at a point in the past, there were higher temperatures on the Earth than there are now. And what's uh, suspicious about this whole global warming thing is it is being purported by the science organizations that are run by governments. And yes. what would be better for government, a, a coercive monopoly on force, than if there was a, a huge catastrophe coming along in a, in a sort of slow pace that somehow it taking over the means of production and everything else uh, in the world, basically, in order to stop this, controlling people, being able to clamp down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, would it, what could possibly be better for government? It's a great point. It's, it's, it's another crisis for them to glom onto and create new government programs right. for. And, and unlike terrorism or drugs, you can't stop this one, right? I mean, not that they've been able to stop drugs or terrorism, but it's yet another unending crisis that uh, they'll always be able to claim that there's something terrible coming around the corner and that uh, you just need to give us more power and we'll be able to solve the problem. And the very like, likely, the very possibility that we're somehow going to live in a world that doesn't have climate change is just ludicrous. I mean, that doesn't even sound right. So there's a little bit more here, and we're going to take your phone calls, uh, your thoughts on this or anything you want to bring up. The story's over at The Telegraph from the U.K. By the way, I want to remind you that Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. It's right here in New Hampshire. It's among hundreds and soon thousands of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people that are getting active in ways that the liberty movement has uh, never seen before. Uh, in order to achieve liberty in our lifetime. And it's working. Uh, it's just begun as well. So get on, uh, get on board. Learn more about it at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. I'm going to continue this Telegraph story, and we'll get right into your phone calls. The author, after citing a number of these emails and documents that were released by a hacker who broke into a particular research institute over, I believe it's uh, it's in the U.K., the, uh, let's see, the University of East Angeles, Angelia's Climate Research Unit, also known as Hadley CRU. He points out that this Hadley CRU organization is actually a government-funded body. And he says, I asked in my title whether this will be the final nail in the coffin for anthropenic global warming. This was wishful thinking, of course. In the run-up to Copenhagen, we'll see more and more hysterical and grossly exaggerated stories in the mainstream media, and we'll see ever more virulent campaigns conducted by eco-fascist activities, such as this risible new advertising campaign or a uh, advertising campaign by Plain Stupid, showing CGI polar bears falling from the sky and exploding. Because, well, that's what happens whenever you take another trip on an airplane. The world is currently cooling. Electorates are increasingly reluctant to support echo policies leading to more oppressive regulation, higher taxes, and higher utility bills. The tide is turning against Al Gore's anthropogenic global warming theory, and the so-called skeptical view is now also the majority view. Unfortunately, we've run a long, long way to, or we have, rather, a long, long way to go before the public mood and scientific truth is reflected by policymakers. There are too many vested interests in the global warming theory with far too much to lose, either in terms of reputation or money, for this to end without a bitter fight. Yeah, you know, it <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, the media organizations, I would say from a two-pronged angle, and, and I guess to some extent I hold the belief that uh, media is 
a more liberal than it is conservative kind of organization. I certainly believe it's statist, but it seems like major media kind of tends towards liberal. And it seems like the people that would get into journalism, one of the reasons that they would get into journalism is to change the world. And and essentially kids that are getting out of college today have been brainwashed into this eco stuff uh their their whole public school career and so you know that's their motivation S- secondly major media essentially is spoon fed its information through government organizations they don't even know how to get it otherwise and uh, you know so it's it's very difficult for them to step out of that paradigm actually do real reporting so they're not going <laughs> to you know the governments are going to say oh well you know looks like you got us they're not going to do that why research and check uh and fact checks what check facts uh, when uh, you can just you can just parrot a government press release? I mean, they're the government. They wouldn't be dishonest, would they? Let's go to your phone calls. Tristan is on the line in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Tristan. Yeah. Hey. Good to be here. You're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Well, about the whole uh, uh, weather uh, climate gate scandal. I'm personally of the opinion that is, is that look, it, all that has been admitted is that they were broken into. It's perfectly possible that the hacker forged some of that information, and we should wait for, for confirmation. Now, feel free to jump on me. Oh, that, that probably makes sense. Yeah, we probably should wait, wait for a certain level of confirmation. But um, do, you think that it's, do you think it's possible that scientists are um, you know, maybe forging some of this information? We've, we've brought up several points that, that are kind of valid here, like, hey, the scientists benefit, the organizations they work for benefit. Does any of that bother you? Well, yeah, of course, Koi, the, the classic question of Koi Bono. But at the same time, we have to remember, well, everyone's got an interest to, for, to twist information, including those who are on the other side of the climate, climate debate. So we need to but be how much, you know. But wait a minute. How much interest do the, uh, the, the people that oppose the global warming theory have? I mean, are they getting big government money for their research? I mean, they're just kind of doing it because they think that it's bunk and they want to to show that. Well, that's part of it, but you also consider the coal companies. They receive plenty of of government cushiness, and they, they have an interest in debunking global warming. Are, are coal companies the real opposition of uh, global warming? They're part of it. Well, they certainly do fund it to some extent. However, um, you know, you've got, do you really think coal's going to go away? I mean, once the the government is funded by coal companies, right? So the people that uh, you know run coal companies, you can by and large by about get about a twenty to one return for dollars invested in politicians, as opposed to anything else in the world. So coal companies dump more money into politicians. Do you really think that global warming science is going to have anything to do with that when politicians are in play? Well, certainly. Well, and these people have already come out with comments as well. You don't hear them denying any of the claims. They're making excuses saying, well, uh, that was taken out of context, and I feel <laughs> violent. You know, classic. all the righteous indignation uh-huh. when people get caught red-handed, right? I don't know about you, but those comments that you read earlier, they don't really sound like they could have been taken out of context. They made sense well, on I, their own. Well, still, it's a, good, it's a good idea to be careful. Thank you, Tristan. I appreciate that. I, for one, will uh, trust the hacker over government-funded scientists. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. 
Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Jason's here, too. He's he's new to this radio. <laughs> and Mark, keep it a radio. Osborne is, uh, Jason Osborne is with us, uh, the, the founder of SACL CAI, or one of the uh, the primary elements behind SACL CAI. I guess it, it actually was around a lot longer birth. before I was around. What, what, it was, was it here before your birth, actually, oh, yes. SACL CAI? I, I was sperm that should have been swallowed back then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Jason is with us, and Mark's here, and we'll take your calls about anything, 800-259-9231. We opened up the show with the story about uh, the, the break-in, the, the hack into a certain university's email system, revealing lots of emails, like 1,000-plus emails and seventy over 70 documents that essentially revealed that these scientists were being anything but scientific in their uh, their methods and that they were covering up and that they were obscuring and just falsifying and doing all sorts of nasty things to ensure that they got the results that they were being paid to get and that's what some scientists do is you know they get money from governments in order to research a certain thing and you know it's kind of like Hey, we want you to research whether or not video games make kids violent. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I mean, they're not going to come back with anything else beyond what the politicians are asking them to bring back. They want the the people that are funding this research, the politicians, they want a certain result. And that's what these scientists are giving them. So we'll get uh, back into your calls on that here in a moment. Would you like to get a non-lethal weapon into the hands of your loved ones with a stopping power that rivals that of a handgun? The Tiger Light is an incredibly bright flashlight with an integrated pepper spray. Its high level of utility comes from the fact that it is out and in your hand because it's a flashlight. And unlike other weapons, there's no expectation by the perpetrator that you have a weapon. The Tiger Light is um, the Tiger Light. Get one today at tiger.freetalklive.com. It's it's a Christmas special right there at tiger.freetalklive.com. Uh, so get it quickly because obviously. You need it for the holidays. Tiger.freetalklive.com. All right. We continue with your phone calls. Bob, listening to WCER in Canton, Ohio. Bob, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, fellas. Just just a little bit of humor to start us off. Are we allowed to water, waterboard Al Gore? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I suggest a cattle prod for self-defense. But uh, if you look back over They're hard the to history, carry. Yeah, I don't know about concealing a, a cattle prod. <laughs> But uh, if you look back over the history, when they pulled off the, the uh, Arlen Specter pulled off the magic bullet theory for John Kennedy, and uh, then his Bob, Bobby Kennedy, Attorney General, which you can't get close to without the, uh, uh, Secret Service jumping in front of the bullet, when they eliminated John and Bobby Kennedy and pulled it off with the American public, they knew they had an American public uh, baffled and bamboozled. Who, who is they? Well, the people that were involved were involved in military, Secret Service, CIA, FBI, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when they pulled that off in conjunction, so what we got is uh, conspiracy validated with 
military personnel involved. When you got that military-industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us Bob, about. Bob, I have to say I'm a little confused at, uh, in regards to what you're getting at. Well, well, I'm working up to the present. When we have the military-industrial complex, along with the banks and the big oil companies and pharmaceuticals, all working in conjunction, plus we have eugenics where, where they want to eliminate the Club of Rome, and they want to eliminate 70, 80% of the population. They're going to do it one way, you know, one way or another. What I want to throw into the Why do they want to get rid of 70 or 80% of the population? For control. You see, don't you they already have that? that. You don't, doesn't the government already have control? No, they're, they're putting it into place and want to get chips in, and want to chip your dog in the backyard and, and stuff and run a Did car. Did you learn all this off the radio? Not only that, but off the web. Uh, so, but you know, must I'm be a true. History, I'm a history buff because I, I did two tours in Nam, fellas. And, That's and why you're a history we, buff. Okay. Yeah, so I've been following it all along for the last 50 years. But when you get up, what I want to give you a heads up on, when you have this military-industrial complex along with the oil companies and Monsanto and a bunch of other people spraying you with Roundup, <laughs> Nobody addresses that. When you, yeah, well, there's nothing that really lives through Roundup. They so you are just all over the map here. Let me see if I can understand what well, you're I saying. Well, I want to bring it well, in. Well, now, hold on. We can, you can bring it in or whatever. I'm just, I want to make sure I, uh, I've at least had some sort of grasp on uh, where you've been so far. You've kind of thrown out that there's this they, the military-industrial complex. Uh, you haven't mentioned the Illuminati, but presumably you probably believe in that stuff too. Uh, Trilateral so, commission. You know, all these evil people that are out there, they want to exterminate the population. They killed off the Kennedys for some reason. And uh, let's see, what else? Are they behind the global warming thing too? I mean, yeah. Yes? Well, what you have there, okay, which is an acknowledgement from Russia and China that they have weapons such as DARPA and, uh, DARPA and HARP to control oh, weather. When well, you, you are just car- mixing it all in together here. Well, so you, you believe you to, in want- the you believe in the chem. Is it when you say spraying you with Roundup, you mean you mean like from the airplanes, uh, yeah. chem chemtrails, that whole thing. Yeah. And and when you mean when you say HARP, you mean a tra- radio transmitter that can. Uh, what what is your theory? Do you do you believe that the HARP transmitter can control people's minds or control the weather or both? Well, if you if you get on web and investigate those things for yourself, no. because I believe people ought to look for themselves, not just take somebody else's word for it. If you get into that, uh, you'll find out more information if you're willing to do the footwork. Okay, but, you didn't answer my question. What do you it? believe, Bob, about HARP? Because we've had people call before, and some people say that, uh, that well, first of all, the, the people I believe say it's just a silly uh, government uh, transmitter that is essentially a you know, boondoggle experiment. Uh, but uh, you're, the, the people that have the conspiracy mindset, as you apparently are, tend to believe that it uh, can control the weather or can actually control people's minds. So what's, uh, what's your belief? Well, they definitely can control weather and other such... Definitely, uh, huh? Yeah, because we were Why don't they do a better job of it? Well, we were seeding clouds over in Vietnam, okay? Sure, cloud seeding is possible. To control weather. Yeah, okay. Not with a big giant Wawa machine in in Alaska, though. That's the same thing. We did get them monsoons going for them and, and changed weather patterns over there. They've had monsoons before they had the harp, so it doesn't stand to reason. Well, what I'm saying, if people get on the eBay, if they're concerned and really want to get find out eBay? technically, 
if, if you want to get on the web and, and, and run it down, but what I'm saying to you, a heads-up fella, because if they can do that, and if they can hide UFOs for over these many, many years, and, and all information about that, but we cracked their nut on that and got information out. If they if they have suits that uh, you can't you can't distinguish, it's like the Predator. If they have, <laughs> well, it's, it, let me let me let me put it to you. They they have. So weapons. they have Inviso suits now. Yes, they do. That's pretty amazing, and that's actually the most believable thing I think that uh, that you've said so far. That I think that science could pretty pretty much come up with some sort well, of suit that could Gore, bend light Al, rays or something like that. Well, that's if possible. Al Gore perpetrates this global warming, and they use such items as DARP and and uh, DARPA and HARP to uh, induce weather conditions. Okay, if they utilize the military uh, weapons that they have to induce global warming. I mean, Congress hasn't addressed... Or so you believe in global warming, then? You believe that the Earth no, is No, I warm? believe they can induce it uh-huh. if they really put put their, their money behind it in the, in the programs so, that they have. Bob, I, I want to check your uh, gullibility meter here real quick, if I could. Sure. Do you Go remember the uh, Jamaican lady who used to be on who'd uh, say, call now, we'll tell your fortune? Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, yeah. Do you remember her? I, I don't listen to that kind of... Okay. Do you believe that you can... Uh, that you, do you, when you see people on the side of the road that have the uh, fortune teller things, and um, do, you, do you believe that if you go in there that they will give you your fortune? Well, I'm a, uh, I'm a believer that the dark side, okay, does have enough power to do some of that so stuff. Is Star Wars ding, ding. Now? Wait a second. Um, but before, before we let you go, how about those uh, commercials where they say they'll, let go? They'll, they'll grow the size of your unit? You know what I mean by unit, Bob? Yeah, I know what you're the, saying. Will those pills work? Well, they could. I don't try them out. I see. You have more questions for Bob? We can I, hang on I, to I just, I, we don't know those. I, I, I want to know where to get my Predator suit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob, for the call. More, uh, more coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us again that is freetalklive.com. And have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? Well, you should have. He has five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to frontsite.com for your training and free gun. That's frontsite.com. Uh, so we just got off the phone with Bob a moment ago in Canton. And he kind of went through the laundry list of various different conspiracy theories all in one phone call. Normally when somebody calls in about a conspiracy theory, they're just focusing on one of them. But uh, he managed to just kind of loop them all in there. And It's important to weave them together in order to show the big picture. 
apparently, uh, or show that Bob is, well, gullible, as you said, Mark, and will fall for pretty much anything that he hears uh, stated on a radio show or on a website. Uh, Just a reminder, just because you go to someone's website doesn't mean that what you see there is the truth. It may be what they believe to be the truth, but that doesn't actually make it the truth. There are people out there who are very firm believers in the idea that Somebody, the government presumably, or you know, some evil black cloak organization of uh, secret black uh, skull and bones members or something like that, the Illuminati or whoever they are, whoever they are, they always use the term they are doing this, they are doing that. Uh, but they believe that they are spraying chemicals on them from the sky on a regular basis. And when they look up at the sky, well, they see proof, at least from their perspective. Anytime a plane leaves a contrail, according to the people that believe in the chemtrail conspiracy theory, it's not actually water vapor. It's some sort of poisonous body-modifying chemical uh, that is uh, is being dropped from the sky. Well, of course, you can point out things like, well, humans are living longer than they've ever lived before. And that, you know, just, just bounces right off Zing. of their back. Uh, no, no, there's, there's nothing that you can really say that can... Uh, that can break somebody who's a, a conspiracy theorist on the the chemtrail th- claims. I mean, what what could you say to them to make them disbelieve what they've already come to uh, to to believe is true? Maybe come up with a crazier story. I I, I don't know what that would be, but I I suppose then they'd start believing in that. Um, I don't know if that would make them disbelieve their already existing story. Um, and of course, then there's the point that you can make about well. Well, wait a minute. If you believe that they're spraying everybody, why would the people operating the planes be doing that? Don't they have families? I mean, why would? It's just crazy. I mean, you're you're spraying every single person. If you if you're going over a a certain area and you're letting stuff out of a plane, that's going to disperse and diffuse down across everywhere and uh, unless your family's walking around with gas masks well, on then, then at that point you don't need the pilots or the even the, the crew that's uh, loading it into the plane to know it's just the people that know what's going into the tank that's getting loaded into the plane are the only ones that need to know that it is in fact bad the pilots could believe that it's miracle grow oh, okay. or something good yeah, um, yeah good so point. you know there's that but I, you know, I, I think that well, even if they did know, I mean, when was the last time these people did not obey orders? Right, we see that the, all the, the time. callers, the conspiracy people, or the, no, no, the the uh, military people, cops, okay, uh, right. pilots, uh, whoever, right? Yeah, generally you don't see them uh, disobeying orders. That much is true. So it's just it's just ludicrous. A few of them haven't gone to say Iraq or something, even even as high as officers. I mean, it's it's happened. Yeah, once or twice, sure. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just I'm only pointing out it has happened. You would think that when you're talking about something much closer to home, that their 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 um, people's ethics t- tend to get tuned up the closer they get to their house, especially when they're when you're talking about their country. And and take as an example the 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 slayings down in Fort Hood. Um, you know, if if that many people had been shot and injured and killed, as a matter of fact, there were four people. Uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, killed in Afghanistan, maybe in the day before, in Afghanistan. Who cares? But they do care that 11 people got killed at Fort Hood. So the difference is it doesn't matter that it's Army personnel. It doesn't matter that it's a military base. It matters that that military base is in the United States. The, th- the thing is with this chemtrail claim, these these claims, and they've been around for years, 
is that uh, they're either doing the it's like the the harp claims either the chem chemicals are allegedly to control your mind or allegedly to poison you out of existence. Well, the chemtrail uh, paranoiacs have been at it for years, and the mass extinctions—they've been propping, you know, this this mass extinction theory where they're going to wipe out 80% of the world's population. You know, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, so I guess the chemicals aren't very fast acting that they're uh, that they're dumping from. Those well, they got a different plan for that. Oh, uh, what's that? What's that? The oh, I have no idea. swine flu or something. I have like no that? idea. I think that the. The, the, the point is there's no evidence whatsoever for it. He said, look into it. He said, research it. I did. When I first heard about the idea, I thought, well, that sounds pretty crazy. I'll look into that. And I did. And I looked into it. And, and, and all I found were a bunch of rambling, crazy loon websites. And you can tell a crazy loon website from a uh, you know a website that's a little better. Uh, pr- it's, it's all about the presentation. A, a rambling lunatic site will just go on forever. If the front page typically just you can just scroll down and down and down. Go to timecube.com for a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and that's what these you know they they've got like they look like they were designed in 1996 to web 0.5 specifications with the flashing text and the and all of the silly nonsense that nobody really uses in a serious website. That flashing text really does. Grab your attention, though, doesn't it? No, it's obnoxious. <laughs> and it's like I, I've been saying on this show since back in, you know, five years ago. Show me something credible. Show me something credible. Now, what you can show me is that there have been incidents of the government people doing some sort of spraying. That has happened. Back when we were in Florida, Mark, they sprayed this stuff called Nalathion. And it was allegedly to to kill off some sort of nasty little bugger that was invading orange trees uh, all around the state. And they did that. And let me tell you, you knew when they did that because there was a lot of controversy about it. And it was obvious. Who wants poison sprayed from the sky, right? And there was poison left over when you went outside after they had done the deal. Right, it's on your car. Right, so it was pretty obvious that that was happening. And at one point, we found a story about the the UK also spraying something, and I, f- I forget what what that was. But the point is, those stories didn't go unnoticed. Those incidents of uh, chemical spraying by governments didn't uh, just disappear, and uh, it wasn't just something that was rumored on a bunch of crazy crackpot websites. Aside from a couple of examples of sort of experimental stuff going on, there's nothing beyond just a bunch of sites with a whole lot of pictures of contrails on them, as though that's proof that uh, people are being sprayed to death. You know, I've been I've trotted out this conspiracy theory a couple of times, and I really like it. Um, and that is that the conspiracy theorists are, to some extent, on to something. There's an organization of people who want to rule the world, and like so many do, these these people have had some relative success at it, um, and one of those organizations is the, the Bilderberger Group, and, you know, they, they control, to some extent, uh, c- commerce and uh, the money, the issuance of uh, money in the world, and it let's let's say that those people do control everything from the the point of view of the the conspiracy theorists wouldn't it be hoove those people that the people that know their secret that they are out there controlling the world's monetary system and uh, controlling uh, you know a good deal of the finance and and things like that wouldn't it behoove those people to make the people that know something about their organization to look nuts so they, they would yeah they disseminate among these people Things like HARP 
and uh, you know, chemtrails and the 9-11 is an inside job and all these other things that sort of sidetrack these people in this, uh, you know, this community that seems to know the truth mm. onto a bunch of other stuff that makes them look nuts to the average uh, person in the outside world so that the, so, the, 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 the kernel of truth is obscured by all the, the rest of the stuff that's been the lies that have been disseminated by this, uh, this, this organization that, that, in fact, the conspiracy theorists know about. I think it's a good. I think it's a, a valid, as valid theory as anything else. Yeah, I really. The, the, it's it's not. It what seems to be to be the truth. The only thing that really, uh, um, you know, may or may not be true about it is that the organization is helping to spread that nonsense. Well, there's actually evidence to back up your theory, Mark, because uh, there's this nutter uh, radio host, this internet show host out there, who's this white supremacist sicko whack job. Uh, and he propagates a lot of these ideas, or, or from what I understood, he was the guy that broke the Amero story mm-hmm. uh, and had the uh, the alleged, uh, you know, alleged pictures of the Amero, this kind of alter- this new currency that was supposed to be proposed to take over the dollar and replace the Canadian and the Mexican currencies in the dollar as well. And it turns out he was a CIA operative. That's a fact. I mean, that information came out. So, I mean, he's out there putting out a bunch of misinformation, and word comes out he's working for the CIA. So I think there's actually something to what you're saying, Mark. 800-259-9231. Mine's just a theory. I won't try to jam it down your throat. Yeah. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line hour two is coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can bring up what's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your phone calls, we go to Dave in Montana. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Howdy. How are you guys? Hey, Uh, what's on your mind, Dave? Hey, maybe... They is the government that you don't like so much. You know what I mean. Uh, when you say they, you're talking about the uh, the they in refer- in reference to what the conspiracy theorists are talking. Yeah, about? when they always say they, <clears throat> you know, the government that you don't like that you think should get the hell out of here. You know, <laughs> that's they. Okay. I think. And then the pilots probably think that what they're spraying isn't dangerous. You know, they're they're 
they're into the brainwash and that they're doing good. Okay, so you're a believer. For the environment. No, I'm just I'm just giving the other side. Ah, okay. <clears throat> and then the global warming is the best excuse I could think of to uh, create monopolies, take freedom away, control people. You know, you know, make yeah. some money, create a new tax, make them insurance companies a little richer. They could make new eco insurance, and then. <laughs> I think the insurance company should fall off the face of the earth, really, but I think it's all because they like it, you know? The oil companies are the insurance companies, and the oil companies are the banks. And That's news to me, buy, isn't it? And, and our cars is the symbol of freedom. Are the oil companies actually the banks? And have any, has yeah, anybody they're all that? subsidiaries of each other. What do you think has the oil companies before? do with all the money they make? from us because we're free and drive cars. You know, I, I understand the frustration. banks, and then them banks get so rich from all the interest they charge on all the loans that they good, so because they got the housing market cornered, like you got to pay us the price of two houses so you could buy one house, so we're going to make an insurance company, so we're going to insure that house and make a law that you got to have insurance. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying, Dave, that it's impossible. I think that what you're saying is possible. Certainly, an oil company could start its own bank uh, if it if it wanted to. It's just news well, to me. I've never heard that before. Is, what do you think? How do you think Rockefeller got around it? He broke everything up and made it all different names, and but they all. Hmm. I don't know about together. the subsidiary thing, but I certainly would agree that a lot of of uh, the very richest men in the world probably have money in both oil companies and banks and insurance companies. Or that wouldn't be both, would it? In all you know, all of those types of companies. Yeah. I mean, and, that and makes sense to me. And then who the government's in cahoots with? All of them guys. So hey, yeah, that's, you that's know, true. they got a good deal. But you know, the fish they just move with the sea when the sea gets rough. You know. So it's up to the fish to bring whatever they're going to bring. So we better bring some freedom with us, or we're going to get it ripped right off. Thanks, Dave. Always uh, words of wisdom. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Bring the freedom with you, or get it ripped right off. I think I say he is a modern-day philosopher. You know, I know it can be hard to follow, man, but so was Jesus. I want to know where these freedom fish are. <laughs> They're coming here to New Hampshire, dude. Uh, in fact, we've got an email that addresses that here in a little bit, but let's continue with your calls. Frank is in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Ah, uh, good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Frank, before yeah, you I go on, wait, 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 wait. Frank, tell me, tell me what you're going to say in just a second. I want to know, Dave, prophet or lunatic? Uh, a thoughtful person. There you okay. Go. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to say, Ian, that you were really hard on the... Uh, Gentlemen talking about harp and the uh, different uh, uh, types of chem spraying that actually go back to uh, Edward Teller back in uh, 1982 when they formulated that notion. And MIT's uh, Lincoln Labs uh, uh, filed the patent with DARPA for that technology. If you look at it, you know it's what it's technology well are you referring you have to? Do to? A little bit of research. What, what are you and referring secondly, to? Secondly, wait, 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 Frank, Frank no, what, wait, 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 Frank, what what are you referring to? You said that technology. Uh, the the uh, chem spraying. Okay, so the you're saying there's a patent? Cool down the cool down the earth from uh, global warming, or to uh, impede ultraviolet radiation from 
hitting the surface of the Earth. But enough said about that. I, I was really, uh, I thought it was funny about the Illuminati does exist. We actually exist. In fact, I was at our last meeting. We, we? <laughs> we had the greatest time talking about the fact that Obama's not even a natural-born citizen, and he's president of the United States, and he's doing all our bidding. And ultimately, <laughs> he's dancing to our tune. And uh, we also like to make David Rockefeller sweat, even at age 94. Uh, he's not 92 as he pretends to be. He's actually 94. And, uh, you know, we enjoy making wagers on who is going to go turkey hunting this uh, Thanksgiving with uh, Dick Cheney and uh, who may return from that or not. I mean, you know, this exists, and you're doing a wonderful job, Ian. Uh, I have to say this. I was offered a radio talk show years ago, but I'm, you know, I get my jolly sort of calling in and illuminating a little bit here and there, and uh, you are Illuminati. Uh, I think you're really hard on that guy. <laughs> and, and also, 9-11 was an inside job. We all laugh about that. In fact, we laughed about it at Bilderberger for the last, you know, six years. How did you get into the uh, these groups, Frank? Well, actually, uh, if you want to get yes, in, you'll never get in. Uh, hmm. You're actually uh, asked to join, and it's all based on your ability. I'm not a wealthy man. So somebody approached you? Oh at yeah, some point? even Bill Gates can't get in, and he wants to get in, as does Paul Allen. Well, how are you approached? What's your story? Well, I really don't want to go into that, but the point is this: you know, there are those that make the decisions. And there are those 6,000 people that carry them out. And, you know, often when we get together, we just sort of uh, have a good time, a nice stiff uh, bourbon or possibly uh, a wonderful uh, cognac, sort of a Napoleon <laughs> uh, cognac. Is, I think this may and be we'll uh, Frank's in, we'll sit and chat and most you know satirical that, call ever. Pardon me? This is a great call, Frank. You did a great well, job. the truth is, my friend, I am a superb economist, as you know. And over the years, I've been shedding light on, you know, I think you guys deal too much with the theoretical, uh, you know, and I think you have to deal with the day-to-day -day existence, as Schutz would say, the daily existence uh, of life. Ch and Schutz as I said, we're all really basically just a group of uh, fun-loving philosopher kings, although I'm not a king, but I'm sort of like a prince. And uh, <laughs> what can I say? A <laughs> Good evening. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Now, now, does that call freak out people like Bob, uh, the guy that called in the first hour just spurting uh, all kinds of different conspiracy theories? Frank calling in saying that he's part of the Illuminati, thanking Free Talk Live for, uh, for, uh, for assisting the Illuminati. Does that really freak out somebody like Bob? I don't know, but if there is an Illuminati, I love the idea that they speak like Thurston Howe the Third does, like Frank does. You know that that yeah. mainline accent. <laughs> you know, I think it's isn't it the most appropriate thing you've ever heard? Yeah. You know, yeah. guys like that, guys that talk like Frank. And I wish I did. I wish I could <laughs> talk. I wish I could talk like that all the time. I know you have to keep your teeth together to properly do it, and there's. Sitting around and, and sitting, you know, they, they have those straw hats on with the, the band around them mm -hmm. and, and uh, coats. They dress like Thurston Howell. Striped, seersucker suits. So you're saying they all dress like Thurston Howell wouldn't, as well? Wouldn't they have to? I mean, <laughs> wouldn't they have to? And then, you know, having a nice bourbon or perhaps a well-aged scotch. Princes among men, as it were. I, I, I love the idea. 
Let's continue with your calls and talk to Nick in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hello. Um, I would like to. Have you guys heard about the taser gun used on a ten-year-old girl who refused to take a shower? Did you hear about this? I, I did hear did, the story. Yeah. I have not. Uh, I haven't read it thoroughly. Okay. Well, um, I'd like to talk about it. Um, there was. Um, there was. Uh, there was a girl apparently in Arkansas who um, her mother was having trouble dealing with her, and um, she called the police, which, first of all, stop right there. Bad idea. I'll let you continue the story in a moment. Hang on. 800-259-9231. We've just had a host of stories over the years where parents and people who are getting into some sort of uh, domestic situation that doesn't necessarily involve violence will call the police because, well, for whatever reason, they can't handle their own family problems and believe the police will be able to help them. And the police do help them, usually with violence and into a jail cell. We'll come up uh, with the rest in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. In the late 21st century, the hardiest, most daring adventurers have begun to colonize the solar system where untold mineral riches await them. Jealous of their wealth and fearful of their freedom, the government of Earth is determined to extend their power to this new frontier by any means necessary. Escape from Terra, an illustrated science fiction saga from Big Head Press. Read it online at escapefromterra.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include... The updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You'll know it first. If you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com, that's updates.freetalklive.com. If you hate making extra trips to carry in those grocery bags from out of the car, I've got a product for you. Uh, it's called Totasac, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com, and it's made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. It's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. It's a great little invention handle thing and it can carry a heck of a lot more than you can it's totasac.com all right we continue nick is on the line in massachusetts nick you just begun telling us a story about the uh happened in arkansas where a 10 year old girl was tased after mom decided to call the police to handle a family issue what was going on there all right um she was refusing to take a shower and uh, apparently was being disorderly so the mother decided to call cops, which, like you said, was a, I hadn't thought of this at the time, but the letting the let alone letting the police deal with your own matters, but letting them into your house alone isn't a good idea. So yeah. um, there was also that problem. Um, the, the daughter, uh, who's only ten, by the way, and was obviously being a, uh, had have, may have had issues or whatever. While the cop was trying to um, to calm her down and have her take the shower. She, um, That's an order, little missy. I tell you to take a shower. See this badge? <laughs> it's like forcing a kid to eat your vegetables. Like it's it, well, so, you're, you're so right. ridiculous. That, you're absolutely, that's a great analogy because it is that ludicrous. Yeah, I, I had heard. I was listening to a podcast of um, of someone last night, and they had said that that's where I got that from. They were saying like it's like making somebody like eat eat your vegetables, or I'll tase you. Um, but anyway, um, the the girl ended up kicking the cop in the groin. <laughs> And oh that's where he said that he only tased the girl for a second. Of course, there's no video. There's no there's no evidence that he only did this for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the girl, by the way, is fine. She's not injured or anything. 
so obviously he didn't do it for like a long time or anything. But he did still tease the girl, um, the yeah. mother. Um, of course, uh, the uh, in the end, the father wasn't there. Um, but in the end, the mother says that um, that she wishes her her uh, daughter hadn't been treated like an animal, um, and hadn't didn't deserve to. Um, to uh, to be treated like that. And but the, wait and a minute! Cop- wait a minute! Wait wait wait! According to the story at LouRockwell.com, dot uh, com, Will Will Grigg was reporting on it. There, he says the mom Kelly Hamlert called the police, and the report claims that Hamlert told the cop to electro torture the child if he needed to. Now, of course, the police can. Oh yeah, I forgot to say that. Yeah, he, he, she did give him permission to to tase um, the do- uh, her daughter if if need be. I forgot Someone about that. Kidnap that girl now. That is, that's crazy. Uh, that is. Um, but the, the cop said right. in his defense that he wasn't trying to, to hurt the girl. He just wanted to get her under control. Which, and which he was, can't control a 10-year-old girl without yeah, a taser yeah, exactly. is what he's and saying. He kicked her in the groin. And then his response to a 10-year-old girl, taser, taser. Because I can't keep a 10-year-old under control. Yeah. I almost wonder, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't know much about the, you know, how big 10-year-old girls are, but that's a heck of a high kick, isn't it? I mean, they're not the, the normal height of a person, so, I mean, it's, right. that's a good high kick, I would think. I would say so. It would seem like it would take a lot of the velocity out of it. Maybe I'm wrong, you know? Maybe I certainly don't want to get kicked class. in the crotch. It depends on her height. Yeah, and she could know martial arts for all we know. Yeah, exactly. But still, I mean, the idea that a a police officer cannot control a 10-year-old girl. Of course, the the whole idea that a police officer should be called to deal with a family situation with a little girl not taking a shower is, I think, absolutely out, uh, just absolutely outrageous. And what would have happened had this mom, uh, Ms. Hamlert in this case, what if she had owned her own taser? And decided to just start using it on her daughter for pain compliance. Would uh, would the police look fondly on that? <laughs> she's not probably point. licensed for that. Come on now. Right, right. So it's okay for the police yeah, to the tase a little. badges. That's all the permits they need. And, of course, the police officers is likely going to be found completely innocent here. Uh, yeah. That there's no, well, you know. Yeah, he, I don't think this has been anything against them. Wow. Thanks for bringing that up, Nick. It was yeah. in my show prep, but uh, one of those many stories we'd never get to. I appreciate the call. And, and that's how you do it. If you want to get a story on the air... It's nice when you email it to us, but of the the emails that were sent, you know, 1% of them might make it on the air eventually. So if you want to get your story on the air, whether it's your personal story or just something you think is important that you want to get out there, the way to do it is on the phone. Uh, At 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we continue with your calls. Uh, Let's go to Sam in New Hampshire. Sam from the Obscure Truth Network at ObscureTruth.com. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, gentlemen. I uh, wanted to just call in and talk about the uh, story of the uh, computers being hacked at the Global Warming Research Institute and yeah. kind of what they uh, contained. Okay, sure. I know you have uh, talked about it at the beginning of the show, and I don't know how much you got into if you talked about how they were uh, harassing researchers who disagreed with them, working to get them fired, falsifying data, uh, talked about beating them down at a convention, right? Yeah, we talked. We touched on some of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's also, you know, Al Gore comes into play here, um, and I don't know that this has been covered at all. He has started this company that's really the same thing as Enron. Uh, what they did with energy trading to do to fund this uh, or to basically handle be the clearinghouse for all of these cap and trade carbon credit payments that are 
that all of the richer countries, the industrialized countries, are supposed to pay to help the uh, the poor third world countries and so forth. So when you say it would be the clearinghouse for it, what does that what does that mean? That he would be processing those payments? Yes, Somehow? basically, he would be the. He would be the company that all of the countries and so eventually the individuals would be paying into their carbon credit taxes, uh, and then he would redistribute the wealth out to wherever the uh, UN decides it needs to go. Wow, that would be uh, quite a lucrative little um, opportunity for him. Yeah, wouldn't it? that would be the and that would be the appropriate role for him. I mean, he's he's done all the legwork. He he deserves it. If he, if they get right, that all set up, he's the guy who's done it. And in his new book, he's uh, falsified or photoshopped a picture of the Earth to show it having three active uh, hurricanes going all at the same time. Greenland's melted away, and, uh, you know, it's been shown to be a, a lie, and he's come out claiming, oh, it wasn't intended to be real and so forth. But, he, again, propagating this climate of fear. And then I've also read in the New York Times uh, they ran an editorial from Ban Ki-moon, who was the head of the UN, and he calls for, at the end of the article, if you read, scroll down to it, he talks about this, uh, ta- this tax being needed in order to, you know, save the planet kind of thing. And in order to do that, that tax needs to be used to fund a global government structure. And this is a whole conspiracy theorist, New World Order kind of thing. But yet here he is coming out, admitting it in a story. I, I, think, it's, um, I think it's starting to, to be put together, and the excuse that they're using is global warming. And the, these emails coming out showing that this is fake is really a, a critical thing that might help kill this uh, cap-and-tax uh, proposal. I don't know if it'll kill the government's proposal, but it's certainly good that it, it came out, no doubt about it. The climate of fear is something you mentioned. We can come back talk a little bit more if you've got more. Hang on, 800-259-9231. Because if there is no climate of fear, then people are a lot more difficult to control, much more easier to, uh, to control if they're afraid. 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Osborne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give the features on the site for free. And those features include live uh, live streams. Got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, uh, as well as a webcam and even the Free Talk Live listen line. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And Manchester Brewing Beer is made by introverted geeks with poor social skills and strong right arms. Manchesterbrewing.com. How'd they get those strong right arms? Let's go to uh, back to Sam in New Hampshire. You're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, now, Sam, you're talking about the the news that have, has broken over the past several days, wherein a, a hacker 
has allegedly cracked into a certain university that has been hired on and is, is being funded by the government over in the UK to essentially discover that global warming is happening and uh, we need to have more government controls and programs and taxes and you pointed out that apparently Al Gore is all set up and ready to uh, to be an integral part of whatever sort of taxing system comes out, somehow being a, a middleman for collecting uh, the taxes or something like that. Uh, was there more that you wanted to share on that? Right, yeah, and I, I just want to add that the scientists at the who, whose emails were leaked have come out and said that they were being misrepresented. So in a sense... They've confirmed that, yes, they were hacked into. The the university is saying, yes, we were hacked. We can't comment on it. So these emails appear to be real. Um, well, I mean, why I'm would a hacker there. spend – he cracked into like a 1,000-plus emails, right? I mean, I guess he could have gone in and – 13 years of uh, emails. He, he pulled basically the entire uh, the mailbox database off. Wow. Yeah, it seems to me that um, it's pretty unlikely that he would have gone in and, and modified these things. But how is anybody ever going to tell for sure? How, how is anybody going to know for certain? Because, I mean, they're not going to want to release their database to confirm that the hacker uh, has to, to confirm right. this. Well, I mean, if this was a private company that was caught red-handed doing this, the, the police would be in there raiding and there would be, you know, an investigation because they're basically falsifying records and, doing all kinds of things that are illegal to cover up the the fact that the earth apparently is actually getting cooler is my understanding. Mm. Um, I think that's a shame, by the way. I'd like for the earth to get a little bit warmer. It's cold up here. (laughs) It would be nice, especially up here in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, Let's see. And then, uh, so Al Gore is, is profiting off of this. He's admitted that he's profiting off of it. Uh, And we have Ban Ki-moon, the head of the UN, who's come out and said, uh, this cap and, and trade uh, or cap and tax scheme needs to be implemented to save the world from global warming, and it should fund a uh, new world order type or global government structure. And we've also had uh, the Gordon Brown, the prime minister and the head of the UN or the EU, come out and use the similar language. Now, I remember years ago there was the one clip of, of uh, George Bush saying new world order and the conspiracy theorists all watched that and said, see, there you go, there's proof. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I didn't give that a lot of credibility, but now seeing uh, this editorial and hearing the speeches where they're mentioning, you know, using the similar language all of a sudden, all at the same time, it seems like, you know, this, this whole global warming thing is the global fear uh, paradigm that they can force on people to get them scared, and once America signs this Copenhagen Treaty, all of the other countries have to agree to let the United States leave it, and the United States will be one of the countries paying in, so they're never going to do that. So there's no way to get out of this treaty, and if that ends up being signed, then that's bad news. Now, coincidentally also about, uh, I think it was over a month ago, uh, Obama sat in as head of the, I think, the U.N. Security Council, and they said, you know, it was only for a few minutes, it's just a formality, but that's a clear conflict of interest that violates the Constitution that says, you know, the leader of the country can't have divided interests like that, and being head of the U.N. and president of the United States at the same time was unprecedented. Interesting. 
So I think I there's know, I think you know. that you're right, Sam, that, uh, the, you know, the whole new world order thing, there's there's an element of, of truth to that, that uh, there are people in search of power that would like to uh, to aggregate more of it to their uh, to yep. themselves that uh, that much I am certain of. It's just that uh, the constant chanting of uh, the terms kind of leads right. one you know um, i i think that to look like a kook there, there, there there's uh, a uh, there, there's a disconnect here the fact that somebody said new world order doesn't mean that it means what the people that say new world order all the time mean that it means you know uh, yeah sir some politicians said new world order certainly the order in the world will be different and that order will be new and likely it will change on an annual basis to some level, so we have a new world order. But well, that's but at that point, Mark, once you enter in, once the United States government enters into this treaty, they're going to enforce all of the terms of that, and they'll be under this structure. And you're not voting for any of these people in the UN, as you point out all the time. Um, there's even less and less accountability as you move towards that. And what they're really taxing here is uh, carbon. I mean, you and I breathe out five and a half pounds of it a day. So they're taxing essentially human life. And we hear California taxing uh, big screen TVs and they're banning some of the excessively large ones because they emit, you know, use too much energy. They're they're too power hungry. And that's a, a example of where this kind of tax and legislation might head off into the uh, future. And, you know, they've also pushed for a national ID card. We've been fighting that, or the politicos have been fighting that up in New Hampshire for a number of years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that the, the tax would eventually get passed on to consumers, to everyday people, and you have to have your national ID card, and you swipe that so they can keep track of the carbon credits that you owe at the end of the year. And, you know, once you have to swipe government identification to buy basic uh, necessities for living, they've pretty much got you. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, the, the conspiracy crowd is very good at following t- trends that are kind of police state trends, uh, tracking mm-hmm. and informational sorts of things, uh you know the, the codes, the the RFID, the the chips, the implants, and all that. I think there is no doubt that there are people that uh, that are in search of power that would like to uh, to have everybody chipped and tracked and and do all of those things. And I think that you'll probably see moves toward that uh, in the future. And whether it's you know just chipping the welfare recipients uh, first, and then down the line chipping all babies, or uh, making sure that all school children are chipped. Uh, certainly, they you know they have their ways of uh, of doing these things, and people do need to be aware, and they do need to pay attention, and they do need to refuse to go along with it, because as long as people are afraid, they will obey what the government's uh, demands are. And and I think I think that uh, I think that you're, I think that they, being the conspiracy crowd, is is certainly on to some things. And as Mark pointed out, they're probably absolutely right about a number of them. It's just that unfortunately, they couch some of their ideas uh, along with other crazy crackpot things like chemtrails or harp and all the other various uh, nonsensical stuff they put out there that's you know unfortunate yeah i i definitely agree they get a bad rap because of public perception of uh of those issues i i feel like though they they've been using all this time they've been kind of setting the trap and they're getting closer and closer to really springing it with everything that's happening with the uh, dollar being devalued and it reaching the end of its life and the budgets that are just out of control. They're talking about raising the debt ceiling again and, think, the, you know, the bailouts. And 
I think the most interesting thing that that uh, that you had pointed out uh, in your call tonight is that the the whole climate change specter, that fear, is something that can affect the entire world. Whereas the fear yeah. of terrorism is really only something that the, you know, kind of the Western uh, countries are able to to propagate very effectively. Uh, you know, oh no, the evil terrorists are out there, so you need mommy government here to to keep an eye out for you. Uh, the fear of drug dealers or whatever isn't really much of a fear because a lot of people use drugs. But uh, but if you can get people all all scared of the idea that the Earth itself is going to collapse, that uh, you know, Mother Earth. Uh, is going to no longer be able to sustain life, then, uh, yeah, I think that you do have something that around the world people will rally to support the government on, and that is uh, a very dangerous situation indeed. Thanks for the time tonight. appreciate the call, dude. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. As though a tax is going to somehow save the Earth? Huh? It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. If you've seen the Lakota Nation silver round from the Free Lakota Bank, you know it's one of the most beautiful pieces available today. And a really fun way of giving the Federal Reserve the middle finger. Free Talk Live listeners can get them for the absurdly low rate of $22.30. That's right, $22.30. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including the Shrine of Female listeners, uh, the dozens of ladies that have sent us their validated photo or their video. Uh, that is indeed showing us that there are listeners to the program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see it there. And if you're a lady listener, you can become a Shriner. Get all the details over at shrine.freetalklive.com. And by the way, the Free Talk Live Shrine of Female Listeners is now brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. Free Talk Live has uh, teamed up with Midas Resources, our syndicate, to offer you some uh, great gold and silver coins. And it looks like a lot of people have taken us up on our offer here in the last few days, very recently in the last few days here, Ian. uh, Oh, great. (laughs) So um, a lot of people realize that the the rates have not yet gone up on our uh, gold and silver coins at gold.freetalklive.com. They are taking advantage of that and going there and buying quantities, you know, stocking up, it seems, right now. Go to gold.freetalklive.com. You will see what we have to offer over there, and they're, uh, I would wager, some of the best rates you can get on the internet, internet right now. Right. Uh, 800-259-9231. Uh, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's go to Brazil, where Elio is on the line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, guys. Hey, you're on the air. All right. I wanted to talk to you about a story that happened to a group here in Brazil. I, I am uh, the founder of uh, the Brazilian Mises Institute, which is modeled after the uh, U.S. Mises Institute. Cool. And usually we publish, uh, you know, economics articles, heavy stuff. Uh, but we had uh, an incident that happened to one of our executive directors. He decided to purchase a product in the U.S., 
and ship it to Brazil. Uh, and the product was some of those energy drinks, uh, uh, nano vapor, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what all the names are. There are so many of the uh, so-called energy drinks out there. They're basically beverages that are loaded up with caffeine and other things. Other stimulants, yeah. That's it. That's it. Mainly for exercising, fitness, things like that. And uh, he, after like two, three months... He got a letter uh, from Customs saying that uh, the product was retained. U.S. And customs or Brazilian was... customs? I'm sorry? U.S. customs or Brazilian customs? No, the Brazilian customs. Okay. Hmm. So he got a letter with all this uh, a series of uh, information that he needed to send them uh, because uh, this was the Brazilian FDA. And they wanted to uh, check the prescription from a doctor that uh, he needed that product. And they stated that uh, since uh, creatine, which was one of the uh, ingredients, uh, was, did not have the efficacy uh, proved or was not reliable, something like that, that uh, it was forbidden in Brazil. So he needed to send all this information from his, his doctor, basically. And he decided not to to do that. Instead, sent sent the guys a letter saying, "You uh, take take your hands out of my property and stuff." And of course, he never got the the, the product. And we decided to publish the, the the article with the story, with the letters that he sent, and the letters that the, the FDA sent. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a debate whether or not to publish because it was a personal incident, etc. But we decided to publish. And the interesting uh, follow-up to that was I got called by the largest uh, media conglomerate in Brazil, and they invited us to go there to uh, discuss uh, free markets in general, along with uh, some other two or three other uh, think tanks and institutes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought they they knew who I was because I'm a sis, I'm a brother of my sister works there and she has like a an Oprah kind of show at gotcha. uh, this media conglomerate and uh, and I was surprised when I got there they didn't realize I was uh, uh, her brother uh, and that uh, uh, the guys uh, got to know us because the big shot over there got uh, an email with the article uh, that I just mentioned. And what was uh, the most interesting thing was I, I ended up understanding that uh, he, the Big Shot, had a personal connection to that. He had a huge Band-Aid in his head close to his ear, and uh, he then felt that he needed to explain that. Uh, so he's becoming, uh, uh, he, he's uh, having a hearing loss in his uh, last year, and he tried some of those devices that people normally use, mm -hmm. and they did not work for him. So he find, found out that uh, there's something new, sort of a chip that you put under your skin uh, that connects directly the ear to the, the brain, and it works better. problem right. was... No physician in Brazil would do this sort of operation Be, uh, because it is forbidden, it's not proven, etc. And uh, then I realized that somebody must have sent him that article 
because of his personal problem. And he eventually got the operation. Uh, he entered into those sort of uh, the test groups that uh, test the, the product. He's mm-hmm. only one of 200 people in the world that has uh, this product. So it worked for him. And I d- I'm sorry? So the product works? And not yet. He said that he needs to wait for about four or five months before they turn uh, the product on because it needs to settle something like that. Hmm. So it's I've only g- got to turn on in January. Interesting. All right. So where where's the rest of the story going? Where's the rest of what? Where's the story going? So far, it's my understanding that uh, you had the issue with the confiscation of the energy drinks, which led to you guys publishing an article about it, which led to you going to this uh, this television station, which led to you meeting the, one of the head guys who was telling you about his experience. What's next? Right. Uh, I, I'm not really sure, but I thought it was uh, really uh, interesting that uh, personal experience is uh, is moving everything. Uh, so I think uh, this is going to go really well because the, the group is committed uh, towards uh, doing something regarding free markets in general. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. So you're basically what you're, t- what you're telling me tonight or what I'm understanding from you is that this negative event of the government stealing this guy's energy drinks resulted in new connections for the Institute, uh, the Mises Institute of Brazil – uh, making new connections in, in the media world and thereby helping you get the message of freedom out more effectively? Yes. Uh, ironically, I think that's the case. Okay. Oh, great. That's a, that's a nice positive story. Uh, Elio, anything else you want to share tonight? No, that's it. All right, Thank man. you, sir. Appreciate hearing from you. You never know what's going to lead to uh, to more exposure for the ideas of freedom. It, it could be you know, a crackdown that actually helps people understand liberty better. I love the idea that he, uh, that, you know, he set up. <laughs> he was one of the guys that set up the Mises Institute in Brazil. I, you know, what a great idea. These are these are thoughts that need to get out to lots of, you know, as, as many different countries as there are. We Absolutely. need an institute there. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one of the doers down there. And he was on the amp line, by the way. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go to Chris in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Hey, uh, hey, guys. Speaking of the chemtrails, I need to direct your attention uh, to the Department of Energy's Atmospheric Science Program. And uh, when you go there, it's uh, asp.bnl.gov. It says, welcome to the ASP website. The Department of Energy's Atmospheric Science Program has, as its long-term goal, developing comprehensive understanding of the atmospheric processes that control the transport, transformation, and fate of energy-related trace chemicals and particulate matter. And then in bold, and mind you, this is the top of the very top of the page from which I'm reading, in bold it says, the current focus of the program is aerosol radiative forcing of climate. Aerosol, and then it uh, continues, not bold, aerosol formation and evolution and aerosol properties that affect direct and indirect influences on climate and climate change. And that's on this uh, Department of Energy website that has an interesting logo on top. You know, these chemtrails are said to be mutagenic, and it has, and a, uh, it has as a part of the logo a human figure that's enveloped in the double helix DNA. And uh, back in 2008, they... Uh, what's what's the website again? It's pretty pretty outrageous what you're saying. What, what's the site again? Uh, you could just Google Department of Energy Atmospheric Science Program, and uh, they've contracted... You could, the website is www.asp.bsnboy, N as in Nancy, L as in Larry, 
Gov, as in government. And, uh, you know, and also back in 2008, uh, the Freedom of Information Act request, uh, they're actually contracting with different universities to carry out this experiment. Which you are alleging is uh, spraying chemicals all over uh, places in the United States. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. And uh, well, I guess we'll address that a little further coming up in Hour 3. It's Free Talk Live. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. We are in the third hour now of the show. Uh, the toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Dot com. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And we continue here. We'll uh, take your calls. Uh, the, the conspiracy people have been calling in tonight with their uh, chemtrail claims, as they t- sometimes do. And somebody a moment ago had called in to give us what I guess they were claiming was evidence that uh, some sort of chemical spraying was going on. And he cited the Atmospheric Science Program, a program which is part of a Department of um, Department of Education, I believe, uh, website. It's a government website. And he read off one of the top uh, paragraphs, a portion of the top paragraph, which said that the focus of the program is aerosol radiative forcing of climate, aerosol formation and evolution of, and aerosol properties that affect direct and indirect influences on climate and climate change. And, the, and the, the website is, you know, it's pretty difficult for me to understand as a, as a regular guy. It sounds really sciencey. Yeah, it, it definitely does uh, sound sciencey. And then they go in to describe what an aerosol is. Uh, so I think it's worth mentioning what exactly an aerosol is. According to them, uh, aerosols are suspended liquid or solid particles in the air that are often visible as dust, smoke, and haze. Aerosols come from a variety of natural and human processes. On a global basis, the bulk of aerosols originate from natural sources, mainly sea salt, dust, and wildfires. Human-produced aerosols arise primarily from a variety of combustion sources. They can be the dominant form of aerosol in and downwind of highly populated and industrialized regions and in areas of intense agricultural burning. 
Although the Earth's atmosphere consists primarily of gases, aerosols and clouds play significant roles in shaping conditions at the surface and in the lower atmosphere. They typically range in diameter from a few nanometers to a few tens of micrometers. They exhibit a wide range of compositions and shapes, but aerosols between 0.05 and 10 micrometers in diameter dominate aerosols' direct interaction with sunlight. Aerosols can also produce changes in cloud properties and precipitation, which in turn affect climate. So we know that there are already uh, you know, government agencies that are doing such things as cloud seeding. The Chinese government did that recently during the uh, the olympics right out out that way they, yeah i don't think cloud seeding sounds uh you know outside the realm of what's going on and that's not necessarily what they are doing here they're doing uh from what i can tell various different studies in regards to aerosols that are already present so things like smoke and dust and you know pollution and stuff like that uh that that's my understanding of this uh, it doesn't seem nefarious it doesn't seem like you know the Again, the, the the chemtrail kooks are the people that are out there saying that they're spraying poison. They're trying to kill us all. Uh, just because the government there's a government agency that's researching aerosols doesn't necessarily mean that they're spraying poison. So just figured I'd share that. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we continue with your calls. Bodie's in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bodie. Bodie? Hi. Hey, you're on the air. Um, I wanted to. I'm in driver's ed, and I wanted to read a little thing out of the manual. I thought it was pretty funny. Okay, sure. All right, it's uh, how fast traffic is moving under speed, part nine. Vehicles moving in the same direction at the same speed generally do not crash into each other. Crashes occur when one driver is going faster or slower than other vehicles on the road. The safest speed is the average speed at which other traffic is moving, provided that the average speed is not greater than the posted speed limit. <laughs> as, there. as if <laughs> people generally travel below the posted speed limit. I yeah. mean, this is just it's absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> and that's really what the safest speed is if you take that little phrase off the end. The average speed of Yeah, the average speed of whatever, you know, people are going. If you're try if you're going down the interstate at 90 and the average person is driving, you know, the the group is driving at 75, you're not conducting your vehicle in a safe fashion. However, if you know your the, the group, the traffic is tra- traveling at 85 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour and it's not unusual at all to be in the 70 mile an hour zone and everybody's traveling 80, uh, then that's the safe speed to conduct because when that group of 80 comes along somebody who's going 60, they have to bunch up Mm-hmm. And that creates unsafe conditions. Mm-hmm. And on the next page, it says it is against the law to drive at such a slow speed that you hold up the normal traffic flow. Right. So basically what they're saying is you have to drive at the speed limit, and that's that's it, pretty much. Unless yeah. everybody happens to be driving lower than that, which never happens. Right. Even though they say that crashes happen when, everyone, when someone's going slower than everyone else. So. Thanks for pointing that out, Bodie. Anything else you yep. want to share? No, that's pretty much it. Just Appreciate like, hearing from you, dude. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, of course, if you want to maintain safety for your whole life, just follow every government diktat that is ever issued, and you'll be safe, safe, safe. Right? And that's what the government's there for, is to keep you safe, isn't it? Isn't that why government was founded? To keep people safe? So it helps me sleep better at night. Well, that's not what they say. They say that government was founded to protect life, liberty, and the, uh, the pursuit of uh, property. 
I don't know if that's necessarily to keep everybody safe, but uh, nonetheless, we already know that the government doesn't do what it says it's going to uh, as far as uh, its original intentions were concerned. In fact, you can even look even further and find that governments, are, they claim, at least here up here, they claim that governments buy the consent of the governed. <laughs> yeah. 800-259-9231. We go to Ray in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ray. Hello, Mark and Ian. Um, and Osborne. Go ahead. I just wanted to make a critique on – originally I started off liking the idea of anarcho-capitalism, but then when I took a closer look at it, I figured there might be a better approach to, I guess, an epitome of liberty for the most part. Because okay. I think we can all agree what's bad about government is the fact that no matter what, it usually ends up acting tyrannical for the most part. Well, what's bad about government is it uses force, and that is – Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm – yeah, yeah. Yeah. And – but – at the same time, though, I was thinking if that could be applied towards corporations themselves. I just want to give an example, and then I would like to hear input if that would be okay. Okay, sure. Which is pretty much, say, for instance, I created, I don't know, a crazy type of light bulb that everybody loved. And so I started a company, and it ends up becoming like Pepsi or Coca-Cola size, major corporation. Shouldn't I be rewarded for the idea and not just automatically granted the power of being in charge of the whole factory. Other words I'm saying is that there seems to be a problem with corporations in the sense that a person that's in charge isn't necessarily the best person to have in charge of the corporation, which could limit progress. And so the workers who are actually doing more of the work and actually contributing more than the person in charge himself should probably have a better share, I suppose, which you're not going to like me saying this, share of the wealth to a certain degree, in a sense that should it might be plausible to allow it where it would be almost a micro version, micro in the sense that it would be more stable in the sense that it's micro, a democracy, not necessarily a democracy, but somewhat resembling that and that the workers themselves choose who would be the best to run the corporation and they work together and i think so are you an, an anarcho communist i wouldn't say anarcho communist but I've just been a communo communo communist no no i've been reading a lot of uh chomsky and his idea of uh -huh. how so I uh, can, Jason, do you want to handle this one? It. jason osborne is with us here uh tonight he's uh, got a phd in something economic <laughs> all right okay so uh I, 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 yeah, I'm not real sure why you would uh, conclude that the uh, the people doing the labor are more qualified to um, uh, be choose the person in charge than the people who are financially responsible at the end of the day for the results of the production. Well, it's not necessarily that they're automatically going to be. It's just the fact that maybe we should have a method that allows for the best to run it. Instead of just, you know I mean, an automatic... Right, so if you're there working at the corporation, you have a better idea of who's going to be in charge. What you do is you buy a bunch of shares of it, and then you put who you want in charge in charge. I'll tell you what, I want to get into more detail with you, if you don't mind. Ray, can you hang on? Yeah. All right, we'll bring you back in a moment at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Would Chomsky, be, uh, Chomsky rather be accurately described as a commie? I think he's, I think he's a commie. Yeah. All right, more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We have archives, and there's a lot of them, in fact. You can go back for an entire year right there on the front page of the website, all downloadable and completely free for you at freetalklive.com. Plus, if you want to intern in film and alternative media, you need to know about libertarianinternships.com. The IHS Production Internship Program offers paid internships at production companies making films, documentaries, online video programs, and more. The program includes a week-long interdisciplinary IHS seminar, a stipend. Is that right, Mark? That's correct. Stipend? Uh, apparently I've been saying it wrong. And a housing That's allowance. What I was telling you. Applicants at all levels of experience are encouraged to apply, though I believe you do have to be involved uh, in college in order to do this. Someone right? in the immediate vicinity, yeah. Uh, placements are available for the summer and the fall. At this point, you can apply for a summer placement by February 15th. So head over to libertarianinternships.com. That's libertarianinternships.com. Uh, we have Ray on the line in Illinois, and we're going to stage an intervention here for Ray, uh, hopefully. Uh, Ray, you've been reading Noam Chomsky, and as a result of that, uh, you've, uh, you've proffered the idea. And I understand where this comes from. That uh, that you believe that the workers could run things better, just in general, in many cases, than the bosses can. Many uh, corporate environments. There's and that old saying that do you want to talk to the person in charge or the one who knows what's going on, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but um, here's one of the problems with democracy. Uh, uh, well, now wait, wait. Before you get into the problems, I want to explain something to uh, to Ray, and that is that I understand where he's coming from. I mean, having worked for corporations in the past. I can definitely understand where this this mentality comes from of, boy, these idiots don't know what the F they're doing. If they just put me in charge, I could run this uh, this company much better than these fools. I mean, Mark, you and I used to work for a drunk uh, down in Sarasota. There was this drunk guy that uh, essentially bought his own radio station with some partners. He partnered up. They ponied he up some cash. He some other people's money to buy his own radio station, too. Yeah, and he bought his own radio station and then proceeded to run it into the ground. And, uh, of course, we would have probably been able to run the station uh, much better than I did run it better when he wasn't uh, when he wasn't around yes right uh, than than he uh, than he was and and I continue to run this this uh, this this show here better too right uh, so the I guess I don't know what Chomsky proposes as the solution there I imagine it's some sort of revolutionary uh, rise up of the workers and like seizing the equipment or using the government to force the ownership into the hands of uh, of the workers and I think what Jason was saying earlier is a much more uh, I don't know respectful way to go about doing things where if you think you can run things better then you buy up a bunch of shares of the company and you get yourself on the board of directors or or whatever just to uh, to become an influential person, but you don't just get to start at eight. Am I, may I ask how old you are? Oh, I'm 18. You don't just get to be 18 years old and then all of a sudden get a uh, an ownership control in a corporation that has been around for you know so so many years. You've got to work your way up through uh, through the ranks. I mean, the guy that bought the radio station, the drunk guy, had money because he 
earned his money over time doing things that were productive, that brought people uh, value. That's how he got the money to buy the radio station in the first place. Would, well, it, it, would it be fair to him for him to just start his own radio station and then have all the board operators decide to seize power and, uh, and take control of the operation? All right, well, this is where my point is. The point is that if it only takes, or if you had a state of anarcho-capitalism, it wouldn't take, I mean, too many people before they get that conclusion, not saying that they're right, where it can throw off the stability and throw it and trash all the progress that we made to a free society. And I guess the notion what? is that whether or not is it private property or personal property. Personal in the sense that it is your right because you attend to it through your labor, or should you be allowed to own it just through arbitrary means? which could cause when people have excess... I don't understand your questions, actually. Right, right. Uh, Ray, it sounds to me like you're stringing a bunch of words together that doesn't make any sense. But um, I would ask you this, before you go on. Have you ever worked in the real world? I mean, like, you know, amongst a bunch of people, not just sort of by yourself? Uh, Yeah, I have. Okay, good. Yes, uh, would you say that most of the people that surrounded you were uh, were, were competent people that would have uh, been good in the leadership role or flaming idiots? Well, I'd say most... Of all idiots. But, okay, I mean, I but those people would have area. just the same vote, Ray, that you did, because that's how democracy works. The flaming idiot has a seek, as an equal vote as the, the, the smartest guy in the room or whatever you know, g- group of people uh, from which you vote. So what you get is that you get this kind of mediocrity thing. You know yeah, what you're well, going to get with democracy because we've got it in the United States, Ray. Yeah, I know, but I think the problem is because that's on a larger scale, but on a more microscopic microscopic scale. Right. There's a there's a there's a fewer um, fewer really evil men to get in charge on a on a microscopic scale, and there's there's not as many idiots to go around. But I swear to you that idiocy is by no mean there's by no means a shortage of idiocy in the world. Well, yeah, I'm not going to deny that. Here, I want to go about this in a different manner, okay, real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah, right. On. Go ahead. All right. Well. First off, the difference between, let's say, there's like a notion between what's private property and then personal property. Advocates of personal property say that it is your right to own it because you attend to it and through your own labor create it. And it's not something that you just happen, you know what I mean, to own. No, I don't. I don't know what you. What's happening to own about mixing your labor with capital and saving up money over time and buying things and keeping those as property? even if you don't attend to them every second of every day? Well, what makes it your right to own it, I suppose, if it's land that you don't attend to and you're not doing anything with it just because you happen to have a larger share of the wealth? Because I think we can also agree there are also, in a capitalist societies, a lot of idiots that just through luck happen to get into power and get to rule and not do things as well. Because someone else mixed their labor with capital and provided that to them voluntarily, yes. Sorry, I didn't hear that. In a free society, people get property by mixing their labor with capital and creating wealth for themselves or by someone else who did that voluntarily providing it to them. No one happens upon wealth. We are all born into this world naked and screaming and pooping our pants. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have a right to my body because it's my body, and then through what I create, that is mine too because I am the one that attended to it. But if I didn't attend to it, I just happened to be on top and the absolute sovereign of my organization, then it starts being that I'm ruling with a tyrannical force arbitrarily. like Right. You can't use the words happen and arbitrarily, but... 
where does the happening and the arbitrariness come into play? Can you give me a little more concrete example of what you're talking about? Because right. I'm a little lost. All right, go ahead. No, no, that was a question oh, for you. Can okay, you... sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, all right, so, like I was saying, I mean, sure it's the guy, all right, that comes up with a great idea for whatever type of invention. If he's going to come in and he's not going to have the capabilities of being a good CEO or boss, shouldn't he all, then only be rewarded for his idea? That doesn't not, happen, you know, dude. <laughs> the guy who invents something doesn't end up in front of a giant corporation. He His invention flounders and, uh, and dies and or gets bought by a company that is large and then can produce it. He doesn't end up in charge of the company. Right. That is not a real world question. Happen. You see someone doing something not as well as you know it can be done, and so you take it over. Freedom is awesome. The, the intervention continues. Ray, if you'll hang on, we'll bring you back here in a few moments uh, because clearly uh, there's still some things we need to iron out. Uh, 800-259-9231. Maybe you've got a comment for Ray. You're welcome to make it here. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features for free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their websites. Ours, free to you, freetalklive.com. Plus, uh, one of those free features is our chat room. It's open during the show and any old time at chat.freetalklive.com. Again, that's chat.freetalklive.com. And I want to tell you about a special book offer, Mark. Yep, Free Talk Live has teamed up with M&S Press to offer you the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. Uh, you can't. This is exclusive content in this that you just simply can't find anywhere, even on the internet. If you're interested in buying this very rare set, you already already know who Lysander Spooner is and how influential he was on the liberty movement. Anarchist, philosopher, abolitionist, entrepreneur, and mailman. You can purchase this 2,800-page, six-volume set bound in library-quality hardcover, delivered to your door for $335. Go to spooner.freetalklive.com. That's spooner.freetalklive.com. And I really must uh, emphasize that uh, when these are gone, they are very, very gone. They will never come back. Spooner.freetalklive.com. I'd like to point out that I'm uh, naming my first son, Lysander. There you go. <laughs> That's great. Let's go to <laughs> Ray, who is still with us here uh, in Illinois. And Ray, I appreciate your, uh, your, un- your understanding, your patience, and continuing with us here as we... Uh, to attempt to stage an intervention and save you from the uh, the world of, of of communism. And what I want to point out first of all is that if if what you want to do is own something in tandem with a whole bunch of other people, you should be free to do that. And and the, in the free market, you use the term anarcho-capitalism. I'm not an anarcho-capitalist myself. I'm a voluntarist, and I support the uh, I support individuals being able to organize themselves in whatever ways they think is best, and allowing the market to decide. Uh, you know, over time, what works the best. So if maybe you're right, maybe uh, getting together with a bunch of people and all having equal voting rights and making, de- you know, making decisions for businesses uh, is the best way to do things. Personally, having been involved in decision-making bodies before that have been on well, the size of 
five to ten people, I can say it's a fairly frustrating process, an annoying process, and a difficult process, and I don't think that it will be very effective. But I think that you should be free to organize yourself in that manner. As far as taking over an existing company uh, by the employees via some sort of uh, mutiny or uh, government-forced redistribution of of the, the wealth of that company, I think that's certainly uncalled for. And I'm wondering what it is that that you're proposing. I mean, you're talking about these general ideas of uh, ownership of the companies by the uh, the employees, but how do you propose to get from here to there? All right. Well, let me first start off that I wouldn't say communist in the sense that I don't think there should be any type of regime over anybody, but just the fact that my only concern was because first off, I really like the notion though of anarcho anarcho capitalism, but like. Chomsky was pointing out, like the problem is only it takes a few people to uh, not like how quick I suppose the system is going in capitalism to reward, you know I mean, the best of the best, because it does for the most part. So I guess the problem is that it might not take too many people to be convinced that, hey, we can do a better job and we can do this right away through our own means and then throw off the stability of the liberty that was granted to the people, however they obtained it in any sort of manner. I what you just said there is very general, and I'm not sure I quite understand it. Are you saying that... Like all power is corrupt. That's, like, I guess, the notion I'm getting at. And what that's, power are you people, referring to? I'm referring to the notion where people are given power, even though they don't necessarily deserve, I guess, or they're not being given it to a way that would be equivalent to what they're actually doing. What are you referring to when you say people are given power? Specifically, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the workplace? Are you talking about politics? Uh, Government? I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking just in regards to the economy, like a capitalistic, purely capitalistic. Like, say, for instance, if it was like an anarcho-capitalistic world, the problem, the only problem with that would be the fact that it wouldn't take too many people to say, well, there's nothing controlled for the most part, and we might as well overthrow because we feel like, because everybody feels like, like you were mentioning, I could do a better job than like what this skull is doing here. So maybe that through a unionized system, only, I guess, somewhat like a union only exists, through that means there could be stability held, and those bad intentions couldn't be brought out to cause damage to the liberty-minded society. Is anyone else understanding this? I'm, 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 a, a I'm afraid time. Ray's either uh, crazy or uh, way smarter than I am. One of the two. Jason, I mean, you're the economics uh, professor here. Uh, I mean, are you understanding what he's saying? I, I, it's completely over my head. No, I, I'm sorry. What are you getting at? When you say power, Ray, what are you talking about? I mean, we're talking about a... I, I would like to see a world in which people are interacting with one another on a consensual basis, meaning if I hire you, you've come in by consent to work for me. I don't have power over you because you can leave. So yeah. what power are you talking about, and how does it have anything to do with destabilizing a, a liberty-oriented society? Well, I just think this saying that whenever people have power that's beyond... Their means. There's a tendency. Power that is beyond their means. Can you define what that? Huh? Well, in a sense, they're not. They're given power that they don't necessarily deserve. Who is they? And wait a minute. Slow down. Slow down. Who is? When you say they are given power, 
Who is they, and what power are you referring to? I'm saying like a CEO, power over the workers. He doesn't have power over anything. He's That's a completely voluntary relationship. The workers chose to come work for that company, and at any time they can choose to leave. So there's no power there. Power is control over other people, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't have control over those workers. They're voluntarily working for you. You can tell them what you want them to do, and they can say, I don't want to do that. In which case you can say, well, I don't want you to work here. Goodbye. And there's no power there. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, but that would be true if it wasn't that the economic situation, say, at the current time was allowing for everybody to be able to get a job. If there wasn't that ability, then they would have power. So what you're saying, is, hold on, hold on. Now, this is an economic fallacy, isn't, isn't it, Jason, here to suggest that there would be some sort of shortage of jobs in a free society? Because what you're saying, Ray, is that in the absence of any other jobs... Uh, that there's nothing else out there. This is like a total fantasy situation that you're painting here, and it's completely unrealistic. Uh, and I'm sure there's some sort of economic reason for this that I can't explain. Jason I mean, might be able to. It all comes down to scarcity, right? As long as stuff is scarce, the people are going to need to work. And that's what he's saying is that if, uh, you know, Mark, you're, you're working, let's say you're an employee on the show, Mark. You're not. You're, you're kind of a partner. Uh, but let's say you're my employee as a co-host. And I say, Mark, <laughs> I know that you can't get any jobs anywhere else. There's nothing else available out there. So you are at my beck and call, and you'll do exactly as I please. There's, right? a, there's a certain level of truth to it, right? What, a truth to what? Well, I mean, you know, there's a certain level of truth to what you're saying is that I, I probably couldn't just go out and get myself on some other. Rush Limbaugh is but not looking for me. you could get a job. As, right. I, you could I get could, a job. Certainly. And what, what Ray is saying here is that there'd be no other jobs out there for people to get. I mean, I'm just saying that there's a certain level of truth. Now, give your example. Well, right. But okay. Isn't that what you're saying, Ray, is that there would be no other jobs out there in your little, you know, fantasy world here? And so, therefore, the CEO would have power over the employees because they wouldn't want to leave because they'd be afraid they wouldn't be able to get, uh, get another job? Is that what you're getting at? Well, this would be the problem with voluntarism, which would be the fact that um – um all right, well, let me just get it down to the notion of property. No, 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 no. Ha- hold, hold on. No, uh, no, Jason, right, okay, Jason can oh, you sorry. address the issue of jobs in a free society? I mean, it's my understanding that if you have liberty, there's always going to be uh, more opportunities than yeah, there are people right, to fill those the, positions. Yeah, the only thing that creates uh, job shortage is uh, people with power getting in the way of that. And by power, I mean people with guns keeping me from being able to engage in voluntary transactions okay, with others. Okay, let me say it right? this way. All right, so say, for instance, a nat- natural disaster or just a group of people that have a similar ideas that are radical want to overthrow that or cause chaos. If they were to anyway, they don't have to do much to tamper that system to the point where eventually people that do own the corporation do have the absolute power over the people in that scenario. That's <laughs> more, more coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free 
Talk Live. Only moments remain. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Osborne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program, we would like you to vote for us in the podcast awards daily from now until about a week from now. In fact, it ends on the 30th, as I understand it, the voting period. We are once again nominated, thanks to you, listeners who went to nominate us, uh, nominated in the political category, and it's our fifth year in the running in the podcast awards. We've won four years in a row. Hopefully, we'll be winning this year as well, but we can only do it with your help. If you've already voted once or twice or ten times, uh, vote again, because you can vote once a day. Um, please go to podcastawards.com, scroll down the page, you'll find the political category about the third it's on the right-hand side, the third category from the bottom of the page. Select Free Talk Live, scroll down further, uh, fill out the uh, information that they ask you for. It includes your name and your email address, which is used to verify that you're a real live human being. You may get an email verification to, uh, that you have to click on. But it's a fairly simple process and very, uh, fairly quick to vote for Free Talk Live in the podcast awards. The competition is heavy duty this year out. Rush Limbaugh is up against us. We can win, but we need you at podcastawards.com. Vote for Free Talk Live in the political categories. We continue uh, attempting to, to stage an intervention with Ray in Illinois, who has uh, been in conversation with us and at some point, uh, it's been a difficult. At some points, it's been a difficult conversation in trying to to actually comprehend what it is that uh, that Ray has been saying here, because he's been, I guess, uh, reading a bunch of Noam Chomsky, and uh, it, it has addled his mind a little bit. Uh, now, Ray, a moment ago, you were trying to make a point. I wanted to make sure that you had enough time to to get that out so we could respond to it. So go ahead with your thoughts. Okay. Well, I just want to present a scenario, which is that. Uh Say, for instance, because I do have the capabilities, I start a top-notch company for whatever it is. Okay, great. But say I'm the son of that person, and I'm arbitrarily, say, granted to be in charge of it. Even though that I'm not contributing, I'm pretty much sitting back with ownership while other people handle my finances and people create my products. I'm kind of receiving all the majority of the profit and the power over the people, even though I don't necessarily deserve it because I haven't really done anything. You're benefiting from nepotism is what you're saying. Daddy uh, gave you a position at, uh, at his company, and you, you, know, you didn't really earn it in that you didn't start the company. It wasn't your idea, and uh, so you're benefiting from nepotism. And, and, you're, and you're saying that's frustrating to you as, as a thinker? That somebody could well, be in that position? Dude, I sure I wish think, he wouldn't use that word deserve when he talks about someone voluntarily giving something to another person. I mean, to say that the kid doesn't deserve to own that company is kind of ridiculous when his father gave it to him of his own free will, right? Well, that's true, but then, I mean, that doesn't really matter. I mean, there's no right that's given to you. I, I you hear, I mean? I hear what you're, you you're coming from, and you say, well, this is going to be an inefficient result because this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And in that case, and what's awesome about the free market is that someone who does know what they're doing is going to come buy that company from that kid. Yeah, well, not if he has. Well, all right. <clears throat> well, first off, on your, what you guys made a comment about, I guess, like, I don't know, a right to something, I suppose. I mean, what necessarily gives you the right to something. Is it the right to it because 
well, first off, most people say I have a right to my body, like moral autonomy, in the sense that it's mine, body, I can do what I want with it, and what I do with that, create, till the lands, construct a corporation, then I have the right to it. But What are you talking about? Let him finish, place. let him finish, Mark. Yes, you, do, you would have the right to that, because it's your creation. Yeah, but then, but when those scenarios play out, though, in which you're not the person that's intending to it, you're just kind of, let's say, kind of just the owner of it. It might be that it's not necessarily your right to. I guess it goes down to that means, which could be argued, I guess, on different viewpoints. Depending now on you're getting you're confused. Now, now, right. so, getting now let's confused. talk about this idea you're talking about. So there's land sitting out there. It's unused. I own it. Uh, but I haven't looked at that land in 50 years. So somebody who needs it should be able to come along, homestead that land, and use it for their own purposes, Right. Right. What if I was leaving that land there because I care about the environment and I want the little critters in that land to be able to have a place to live? Well, I would say, depending on one's logic, the most important thing would be, grant, if there's people that are in some ways suffering, it'd probably be more important to protect and take care of mankind than it would be. Those are your guys. Who makes that decision? Right. So the pe- so so basically, if there are people suffering, that means that anybody who feels like they're uh, suffering more than me should be able to come o- come along and take my land, which means they can do it to you. What you have is a disorderly system that you're proposing that does not work. I'm going to bring on no, uh, Matt. So. Well, hang on, we're going to bring Matt on here in Illinois. Matt, you're on with Ray. Hi. Uh, actually, you guys kind of hit on what I was going to uh, to say. I did work for a company that the father built from a long, long time ago, family-owned company, was never made public. He never had any investors. He spent all his money. He spent all his time. The man was a fantastic businessman, made this company a huge success, grew old, gave it to his son, and his son is currently running it into the ground, and I kind of uh, I lost my job because his son didn't make very good decisions, but that doesn't make it right for me to take his company or, or the people to take his company from him. As employees, we did attempt to get money together and buy it from him. Uh, he did not want to sell, and we were never able to do that. And and that's a, a legal process. That's a process that anybody that works for a company can do now. There was another problem in that it wasn't just him. He also there was uh, three sisters involved, and uh, the the company diversified. So my question to you was going to be: Do you think that the government should come in and force him to sell? Um, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying a government. I'm saying more just to unionize. The workers are unionized. That way, they could go about the corporation and what seems like the best interest and most productive means. So if the workers decide to enforce this system you're talking about, one would assume that they would bring with them Berettas. And my question is, can can the uh, owner of the um, company then unionize with, say, a few people who have MP5s? And can they unionize the workers out of the bodies that they own, if the workers can unionize the owner out of the uh, company that he owns? Well, I would say that the whole idea behind it is to make sure that people are only being granted what they deserve. When I say deserve, what does that mean? You, you get to decide. I know you guys said you didn't like that term, but what I mean by it is like your right to it. It's your right to it because 
you're the one that's actually working with Dude, whatever you don't get to decide to. who deserves what. And you're only proposing that other people like you get to decide who deserves what. You are just arbitrarily deciding who deserves what. He's, he's just he's somebody right. else that wants and to be in charge. You just, the only way to get what you want is to shoot people, man. I'm not saying a violent means. I'm saying, but they're not going to give you anything that isn't yours if you don't use violence. Not if come take what's if, mine, man. Do it. Not if not if the union. Or like, let's see how a union for like a modern. So you're union, talking about a bunch of people not, with guns. I'm not advocating the modern union, but I'm saying in God. that example, what do people do? They simply walk off and get. And then that causes trouble for the company, and so the company says, okay, let me reconcile and see what I'm doing wrong to make these people happy because it's obviously hurting me. Well, if you're going to walk off of my uh, – first of all, I'm not going to allow you to uh, work for me if you're going to unionize. And secondly, uh, if you're going to try that, then I'm going to hire new people in. Hey, I I'll think tell unions you what, are fine. We're, we're yeah, out okay. of time. I don't want to work for me, though. Hey, thanks for the call. We'll have to talk to you about it some other time. Call us you know, tomorrow night. We can continue the conversation. Very interesting. And, Matt, thank you uh, for dialing in here. Let's get Reese in here quickly. Uh, Reese listening to KBYO and Louise. Louisiana. Reese, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Just, I, I came in on the conversation just as far as uh, talking about corporations getting their employees a little more involved in decision-making, and I think it kind of got way off track. <laughs> but my point, being in a corporation, as a manager in a corporation, sometimes you're given direction to you that if it was given... If you had a choice or decision in what was being given to the street-level people or positions, sometimes that might go in a different direction knowing what's going to happen, what's successful, and what might not be. And instead of giving direction to your people and executing it, and then when it fails, try something else, try something different, what have you, actually getting your people involved with what they feel like is the best decision for your business. I think there are different management. I think you're you're right there. That oh yeah, employees definitely need to have input because if you don't if you don't have that, you're, you're, there's there's not going to be any feedback for the people who are up the ladder. Right. I don't think that's top, absolutely true. And but I, having them take over the company is something entirely different. Right. And I don't think top down organization is necessarily the most uh, effective organizational structure either. I thank you. We're short on time. We got to let you go. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. The Edgington Post Interview Series continues, and today I've got Bob Podolsky. And uh, Bob is a, a former psychoanalyst uh, and a, a physicist, and he's got some theories on sort of human interaction. I, I Bob, I can't even begin to, 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 to do the introduction, really. Uh, the conversation I had with you was so enlightening that I want people to hear it. Bob? All right. Well... Uh, I guess folks probably want to know a little bit about me uh, before I get into my subject. My subject today is going to be why we don't need government. And I realize that uh, there are two two kinds of folks in the audience. One group says, oh, I know all about that. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't know all about that. I've got some interesting news for you. And the rest of the people... Uh, I don't know if it's majority or minority, say, oh, that's crazy. We need government. It's a necessary evil. 
And while I agree that it's evil, I don't agree that it's necessary, and I'm going to tell you why today. So as far as uh, who I am, yes, I did psychotherapy in private practice for 25 years, and before that I was a physicist, did systems analysis, math, physics, science. I'm a scientist. And uh, some 20 years ago or so, I turned my attention to uh, examining how people interact and how institutions are uh, developed and formed and how they operate. Uh, besides studying psychology and six different kinds of psychotherapy and all that math physics stuff, I've also done some studying in history, philosophy, anthropology, political science, business, organizational development, economics, you name it, quite a bunch of different stuff. So today we're going to talk about why we don't need government. And if you are a skeptic about that, good. I like talking with skeptics on that subject because, after all, if everybody knew that we don't need government, there'd be no point to my talking about the subject. You know, preaching to the choir. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't imagine there's uh, you know too many people out there that uh, entirely. Uh, certainly, our audience is probably more on that uh, that side than that. But there's a lot of people out there who listen to our show that are probably of the the minarchist camp, and, and myself probably. Right. Uh, you know, people would would define that way too. Right. I get it. So let's talk for a moment about what is government to start with. Uh, a lot of people don't really know what government is. They just think it's, oh, it's those guys in Washington, or it's those guys up at the state capitol. And they don't really know what government is. And in order to explain the nature of government, I need to explain, first of all, the nature of a cartel. Okay, a cartel is a shared monopoly. And it can, there are many different kinds of cartels. For example, there are banking cartels and oil cartels and many different kinds of business cartels. But it's a shared monopoly, and it exists for only two purposes. One is to maximize the profits of the members of the cartel, and the other is to maintain the monopoly position of those members in whatever the industry happens to be. Now, the second thing I need to explain in order to explain the nature of government is that there's a thing that I call power brokerage. What is power brokerage? Well, some 8,000 years ago in Sumer, which is uh, a country that no longer exists, but it was in what is now southern Iraq, a group of uh, chieftains and kings of little kingdoms got together and they had been fighting for many, many years uh, amongst themselves, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of expense. And one day they got together and said, hey, we're wasting our resources here. Let's stop fighting. Let's just assume that we have the right to rule whatever region we can manage to rule, and we'll help each other. And we'll do it this way. We'll assume that we own all of the power there is. And we will designate, we will share that power with people willing to help us. So if I was one of those kings, for example, I might say, Mark, I'm ready to uh, give you uh, the position of chief tax collector for the region. How would you like that? Sounds good. Keep some of the taxes. 
That's how okay. it worked. At one point, tax, tax collectors really did keep a portion of the taxes that they collected. And they still do today, although it's a little indirect, but they still do today. After all, uh, people at the IRS get paid. And where do you think the money comes from that pays them? Yeah, th- their paychecks are above uh, uh, their paychecks are above standard, but they're not based on a uh, a percentage of what they collect, which is the I think the most disturbing portion of that equation for most people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, going back to uh, the model, so the king might say, "I will give you this authority to collect taxes. I will let you keep a certain portion of the taxes you collect." And I will provide you with the forces necessary to see to it that nobody says no to you. I'll provide a police force, a militia, whatever, uh, because I do the same thing with them that I do with you. I appoint someone head of the uh, law enforcement, and I assign someone head of the judicial department, you know, Department of Justice, or should it be... Department of Injustice, and they all get pieces of the action for doing what I want them to do, and of course they're going to be there to support you when you go to collect the taxes. They'll have their guns and their badges and so forth. This is power brokerage, and it's all based on the notion that might makes right. After all, (laughs) how else can one justify the idea that those at the top own all the power in the world, and they they have the right to uh, make everyone else subservient to them. So a government is a power brokerage cartel. Hmm. A simple idea, basically, once you know what a cartel is and what is power brokerage. The industry is power brokerage. And the government is a cartel, a shared monopoly that exists solely for its own sake. And the notion that it exists to serve the people is a lie, pure and simple. Uh, any question about what I've said so far? I, I don't think we're too – we're not too def, far deviated from what uh, people by and large believe that uh, – at least that run this show. I don't know about people that listen to it. So, you know, <laughs> I, no, no complications there. Okay. So the next question that comes up is why do we tolerate government? Okay. Fear. Well, fear, yes, and ignorance. <laughs> Most people – don't know what I just shared with you. They don't know that government is a power brokerage cartel. They just think it's like a force of nature, (laughs) unavoidable. But yeah, fear. And what is the fear? Partly it's fear of the government, and partly it's fear of chaos. Okay? Yes. People have this notion that if government were to evaporate tomorrow, there would be chaos everywhere, and it would be like the old West with everybody toting a gun and shooting anyone they want. Well, um, I, I I think that if the government evaporated tomorrow, there likely would be some chaos. Um, but if we could uh, move to a more voluntary society, I think that uh, you can see that chaos minimized. Yes, exactly. The, you know, when you think about it, the only thing that government provides that's of any value is a form of organization. And I'll have more to say about that here briefly. Uh, you know, organization 
in and of itself is neither good nor bad. You can have a benign organization. You can have a trivial organization. You can have a tyrannical organization. Uh, you can have a, a uh, user-friendly organization, if you will. Mm-hmm. So government does provide organization, and it does it in a particular form. It does it in the form of hierarchy. Now everybody, I think everyone knows what hierarchy is. You know, you've got someone at the top, and they've got a few people under them, and they've got some more people under them, and so on. And command goes downward. And hopefully, feedback goes upward. But the problem with hierarchy is that it creates, almost invariably, there are a few exceptions, but it generally creates what is called bureaucracy. Now, most people think that bureaucracy is simply, oh, too many people involved, and they don't know what they're doing, and they're not competent, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) That's not bureaucracy. Bureaucracy is the systematic elimination, destruction, or avoidance of corrective feedback. That is the nature of bureaucracy. Bureaucracy is the systematic avoidance of... Of corrective feedback. Destruction, elimination, and avoidance of corrective feedback, yes. So if there's, if an organization destroys corrective feedback, then first of all, <clears throat> the head doesn't know what the hands and feet are doing and makes a lot of mistakes. And when the lack of feedback pertains to the ethics of what is being done by the organization, then invariably the organization does a lot of evil things without even realizing that they're evil. Though there may be some people in the organization that realize it, it is not generally recognized, and and that recognition is not part of the culture of the organization. So hierarchy creates bureaucracy, the elimination of feedback. And strangely, or not so strangely, all of our major institutions mirror the hierarchic structure of government. Remember, government (laughs) invented, first it was an invention itself, and the people inventing it invented hierarchy as a means of power brokerage. That is the purpose of hierarchy. At any level, you can say, okay, I'm going to delegate some power to someone below me, give them some reward for doing that, and get some goodies out of having that kind of relationship. That is the culture of the organization, as the word is used in organizational development. So, uh, It sounds like uh, what you're talking about is a a new sort of organization. Yes, yes. The, The difficulty with the way we run the world today is that most of us think that hierarchy is the only way to organize when in fact it's not. But that's what people believe. After all, we've been taught from grade school on to believe that this form of organization is the way the world is. It's just natural. It's just, you know, unavoidable. Yep, top-down, uh, you know, the, the sort of pyramid kind of organizational thing with some guy at the top who actually is in part of a greater pyramid who's part of a greater pyramid that goes on up. Exactly, exactly makes me laugh when I think about 
how various attorneys general shut down businesses because they're supposedly pyramids. Yeah. Think about <laughs> you mean... every corporation is a pyramid. Every government agency is a pyramid. The model that was invented in Sumer 8,000 years ago has permeated almost every society in the world. And so we don't, most of us don't know that there is an alternative, let alone what it is. Right. And so let me and, take for just a second, Bob, here a moment yeah. to, to say that um, I, it, it feels like you're getting into this uh, this portion of the conversation that made it so I really wanted to do this interview, and I just want people to really pay attention to what you're saying. The idea here of this, this new kind of uh, organization I find to be extraordinarily exciting that you're talking about here, and... Um, uh, you, you know, this it could change the world. Uh, you've done some research yeah. with uh, some fellows of yours, and you've kind of compiled yeah. some of it together. So lay it on me. Okay. <laughs> well, before I jump into the how, I want people who are listening to imagine for a moment government without people. In other words, if tomorrow morning all the people disappeared from government, what would be left of government? Buildings. Buildings, yeah, big expensive buildings and lots of pieces of paper, but it would do nothing. Nothing would get done. Nothing whatsoever. Well, I absent said, people, government oh, does nothing. Well, it, government does basically nothing anyway, uh, except for uh, visit uh, pain and misery upon people and collect some garbage and uh, you know blow some crap up and. Uh, but it's people doing it. Arresting some people, yeah. Without the people, nothing would happen. Okay, so I want people to understand that stuff we don't like about government is what people in government do. Okay, now if tomorrow morning everyone in the world, everyone who's involved in government were to report to work to the same old desk at the same old job and suddenly discovered that they were working for a corporation instead of a government, what would have changed? Well... Imagine for a moment government as a corporation, the same people in the same jobs, but they'd have to do stuff that the public wants, enough to pay for it. Well, if that's a regular corporation, but then if there was no government, then there would be nobody to make the corporation, and governments yeah. are municipal corporations already, so... <laughs> but yeah. yes, I get the idea. If if government was a business, then they'd have to provide goods and services that people want at, at uh, competitive wages or competitive yeah. prices and fees. And they couldn't force people to buy those things. They'd have to sell the people um, each thing that they're trying to sell. Well, let, I want to now take just a moment to look at what I, what I call the roads and bridges argument, okay? Because a lot of people, when you say you don't need government, a lot of people say, oh, but without government, we wouldn't have roads, we wouldn't have bridges, we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't have that. And to that I say, nonsense. Do people want roads and bridges? Of course they do. But who builds roads and bridges? People. Organized as construction companies, usually. Well, who pays for the roads and bridges? You do. I do. We pay for them. What makes you or anyone think that roads and bridges would be unavailable without government? Government that does nothing. It's all, all, all the doing is done by the people who are involved. Well, the reason we tend to think that roads and bridges would be unavailable without government is because 
we believe government propaganda that has been perpetuated by the public school system, another branch of government. So I just wanted to get that little argument out of the way so that listeners who are skeptical about what I'm saying don't come back with the roads and bridges argument. Well, as Nonsense. as a person who makes my uh, living being skeptical about uh, uh, to a guy who who uh, is a voluntarist, I in fact could come up with lots of arguments. However, in the in the <laughs> for the need of time, um, let's let's go ahead and move forward. All right. So now we're going to talk about an alternative to hierarchic organization, and. It begins, the story begins with a man named John David Garcia. Uh, <clears throat> I met him in 1984, and he had, for some years prior to that, uh, been doing research on his own independently. He, he had become quite well-to-do by creating corporations that were high-tech corporations, and had his corporations became worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and one day he decided to walk away from it all because he realized that all he was doing was making money. He wasn't doing anything really important, and he wanted to do something important. And so he thought a lot about what are his values and what does he really want to get out of life and what does he want to give to the world through his life. And what he decided was to study a number of subjects. Now, this is this guy, John David, the most brilliant person I've ever met. And I've met some really brilliant people. I've met a few uh, Nobel laureates who earned it, you know, in the sciences. But John David is, is, was a phenomenon. He's gone now. He died a few years back. You can look him up on Google. But uh, anyway, uh, he is probably the most, was the most well-rounded person I ever met in terms of education. He knew enough math and physics to solve equations in quantum mechanics. He knew enough about biochemistry to be able to explain how chemical evolution turned molecules that were random into things that became alive. He could explain these things quite cogently, and he did, as a matter of fact, in a book that he wrote. Some people might want to read it. It's called Creative Transformation by John David Garcia. Anyway, so he began researching things like comparative religion, ethics, and he discovered that ethics is usually taught as a very complex subject, but it's really very simple. An ethic is nothing but two things linked together. A value, something you want more of or you want to maximize, and a belief or belief system that tells you how to behave in order to get more of the thing you want. So that's what an ethic is. And he studied many different ethics, and it turns out that most of them are not valid. In other words, usually the belief system brings you the opposite of what you think it will. Mm -hmm. But he did discover there were a few ethics that actually produced what was intended. One is the maximization of creativity. One is the maximization of love. One is the maximization of objective truth. 
if you build a belief system around one of these values, and if the belief system is rational, then your application of the belief system to the value actually brings you more of what you value. And it turns out that these things that I mentioned, love, objective truth, uh, creativity, these are logical equivalents of each other because if we increase any one of them, they all increase. And if you diminish or limit any of them, they are all diminished or limited. So he'd made this discovery and he said, okay, I want to know how to maximize creativity and its logical equivalence in a group of people. And so for 20 years he studied this and he did experiments with different sized groups of people, two people, three people, four people, up to about 20. I participated in some of his experiments. It was very interesting because it turned out when you, and by the way, he, he developed ways of measuring the creativity of the group. So he had objective means to determine whether one group was more creative than another group. And after some years of doing this work, he realized the optimum sized group, the most creative sized group is eight people, plus or minus one. It's almost as good with seven. It's almost as good with nine. And it works best eight people, four men, four women. So if you've got nine people or seven people, the number of men can outnumber, you can, you can, you can have a difference in the number of males or females of one. So you could have four men and five women. You could have uh, four men and uh, three women. Uh, doesn't matter. It's pretty much the same. But the ideal is four men, four women working together no. and not working randomly. Okay, this, this is an important point. He called a group that was tr of this size and, and type that was trained properly. He called it an octet. And... He found that, first of all, he had to teach these people the ethics. They had to really understand how you tell good from bad around creativity and love and objective truth and so forth. And so he did that. He taught ethics. Now, ethics is a subject that people can start learning in grade school early, early, early on. Okay? It's not something that takes years of study to grasp the basics. But it takes a little study, okay? <laughs> if, if you were introduced to it in grade school, by the time you were in high school, you'd totally master it. Most people, myself included, uh, don't get around to even looking at it unless circumstances in their life require it of them or they're in a school curriculum that requires some study of it. But University professors love to make it complicated. I figured out that's because they've got to fill a whole semester with it or maybe even <laughs> two semesters. And so if it, were, if it were done simply, you'd spend a few weeks on it and it'd be done. <laughs> so they make it complicated. And people who are in religious roles, they mystify it because if they made it unmystifiable, <laughs> if it were so simple, then their role wouldn't be necessary. 
And they want to be important. They want to be influential. And so they mystify ethics. But the reality is you can learn ethics in a matter of a couple days uh, and really master it, really understand it. So an, uh, one of these groups of eight needs to understand the ethics. Second thing, they need to know how to communicate effectively with each other. And that, too, can be learned within the same couple of days. As a psychotherapist, I, I led many, many groups, spent thousands of hours teaching people how to communicate and what was worth communicating. And, you know, over the years, it got to be a really simple task to teach good communication. It isn't that hard to learn, though some people resist quite a bit. Anyway, so, okay, good communication. Now, what does that lead to? Well, for one thing, once you have good communication and good ethics, it's very easy to teach a group to make unanimous decisions. In other words, here we are, a group of eight, and we're contemplating doing something together, maybe starting a business or a charity or a school or who knows what. We're going to do something together. Well... If anyone in the group says, wait a minute, <laughs> this proposal doesn't sound right to me, I think this, this might be something unethical, well, you discuss it, <laughs> you talk about it, and at the end of the discussion, you go, hmm, okay, well, it's not unethical, or it is unethical. If it's unethical, the group doesn't do it. Okay, one of these groups of eight has to be committed to not doing things that aren't ethical, and anyone in the group can challenge the rest of the group and say, no, this is wrong. And a decision that is not unanimous does not count as a decision of the group. Simple rules, yes? It, it does. It sounds like uh, very similar to the, the Quaker church that I go to. Um, you know, this, this yes. is a, a, a model that they have used for centuries. However, um, since the Quaker groups are larger than eight by by and large. What I found is that that uh, that decision decision making uh, system tends to be very inefficient in that it takes a, a long time for them to come to decisions. Yes, exactly, and it's a good parallel that you've drawn because the Quakers use a communication process that is in some ways similar to something else that one of these groups of eight does. And I'm going to talk about that next. It's called autopoiesis. What is autopoiesis? Well, some of you have seen the drawing by M.C. Escher that shows a sheet of paper, and on the sheet of paper are drawn two hands. And each hand emerges from the paper and holds a pencil that draws the other hand. Yeah. Okay, you've seen that image? Yes. That's how autopoiesis works. You and I and six other people, <laughs> we are going to create each other in a set. And John David spent years working out a procedure for eight people to undergo this process. First of all, the group of eight has to have certain agreements in place, like if anyone decides during this process that they want to stop, the process stops, okay? So everyone has that power to end the autopoiesis session. Second, 
you decide ahead of time what the purpose is going to be of the session. For instance, we might make as our purpose, how can we function together in a way that is maximally creative? Or what can we do together that will maximize creativity as a result? Or uh, how can we create a business that is as creative as it can possibly be? And so on and so on. There are many, many, you know, infinite possibilities of what you pick as an outcome for the session. Then you agree to a few rules. <clears throat> One rule is that during the session, until you have something to say, you remain silent. And when an idea occurs to you that you think might be of some value, before you share it with the group, you reject it. You say, no, no, I'm not going to say that. If the idea occurs a second time, you are obliged to share it with the group, no matter how stupid, how crazy, how obscene, how weird it seems to you. If an idea happens twice, you've got to share it. You know, this, uh, Bob, this uh, is getting more and more parallels towards Quakerism. I remember yeah. seeing in, uh, I, I think it's called Faith and Practice, which is uh, sort of the, the book the Quakers have for themselves, um, is uh, it's William Penn talking about how it was that he goes about sharing in the meeting for worship. And basically what he does is he pushes it down, was the terminology that he, he used for something that he thought he should share. And then if it comes back up, he chair it. Right. Right. That works. And it works beautifully. There's another book on that subject, by the way, by a fellow named Michael Sheeran, S-H-E-E-R-A-N. It's called Beyond Majority Rule, Voteless Decisions in the Religious Society of France. Oh, hmm. there you go. Really good book, if people want to study that. Anyway... To continue with autopoiesis, autopoiesis is induced, by which I mean you don't just sit down and start doing this. It is necessary for the group to reach a certain kind of synchronization. And John had his way of doing that, and in the course of leading therapy groups, I invented a better way. So combining my induction method, which, by the way, comes out of my background in Ericksonian hypnosis, combining that with his technology, I call the groups that I put together this way octologues rather than octets. The only difference is how do you get into the right frame of mind to participate? Frame of mind is important. So it might include the process of induction might include things like breathing together. Well, how do you know if you're breathing at the same time as the people around you? Well, if you're sitting in a close-knit circle and you each have your arms over the shoulders of the people next to you, and if you watch the shoulders of the people across from you, you will very soon realize that you can not only tell when someone is inhaling, but you can inhale at the same time. So you breathe together. 
pretty soon it starts to feel a little strange. And in fact, the group goes into what I call a trance. Now, when I say a trance, I'm not talking about some mystical phenomenon, some weirdness that is somehow uh, some evil thing that some person imposes on someone else. A trance is nothing but a time when the way you experience your sensory awareness is different from normal. Whatever is your normal, there are periods every day when everyone goes in and out of trance. Sure. I mean, an example. If, using that definition, absolutely. Yeah. For instance, uh, at night you're going getting ready to go to sleep, and you go through a period when you're no longer awake, which aren't really asleep yet either. That's a trance experience. Same thing when you're waking up, especially if you're waking up slowly. You go through a period when you're not yet awake, but you're not really asleep anymore either. Those are trance experiences. Another one, I remember this one vividly. I used to live in Oregon, and from time to time I would drive from Eugene to Portland, 107 miles. And I knew that it took more than a couple of hours to safely drive that distance. But many of the time, as I was pulling into the outskirts of Portland, it felt like I'd been on the road 20 minutes. I had been in a driving trance. Or you um, just forget what, you know, like how you uh, manage the, the route that you managed to take. If you take the same route home every day, it's like, wow, did I go by that? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, so, yeah, I, I've had that same experience. Yes. And I call it a driving trance just because... It's not your normal way of experiencing your surroundings and your feelings and your memory. So any alteration from the norm, I call a trance. Well, autopoiesis is a kind of shared trance. And I did a lot of experimentation when I was uh, making my living as a psychotherapist and leading groups. I would invite Sometimes I would invite the public to come and experience hypnosis. And I'd have anywhere from five people to about 25 people show up, and we'd sit in a quiet room, and I would demonstrate hypnosis. Well, one of the things that I always did, (laughs) just because it made it more interesting for everyone, is I went about it in a way that led everyone in the room into a trance. So I would have a subject sitting next to me. They'd go into a trance, and as they did, so would everyone else. Not too hard to do when you know how. All right. So I have used this kind of methodology for autopoiesis. It's very effective. It's a much faster, easier, quicker, simpler way to induce this sense of sharing a dream because that's what it feels like when you're in that state and ideas are cropping up. Somehow, out of the group come ideas that no individual alone in the group could come up with. I can't explain it. (laughs) John David explained it by saying that somehow the brain is a quantum mechanical machine and the universe is a quantum mechanical universe and this combination of eight brains is able to reach out into the quantum universe and bring back new information. 
information that no human has ever had before, or sometimes just information new to the people in the room, uh, which other people did know before. <laughs> uh, one thing, one caveat, if you will, about getting new information this way, don't trust it. You can get false information. You have to be able to distinguish true information from false information because it's just as easy to bring back false information from the quantum universe as it is to bring back true information. Now, I want to say what I mean by that because a lot of people are... Good thing, because I sure don't know. One. <laughs> what that? Good thing, because I sure don't know what you mean. I mean, I, right. I don't know, understand the I'm bringing back... In, I, I don't understand the bringing back of information. Yeah. You don't understand it. Well, if you have an idea that no one else has ever had, where did it come from? I don't know. I'd be, wherever ideas come from. Yeah, where do ideas come from? I guess you I don't see, know. It's not, just, it's not just a rearranging of information that already existed in your brain, although that kind of creativity does exist. Mm -hmm. But there's another level of creativity where you come up with an idea that is not a rearranging of previously existing information you actually come up with new information that's never been in anyone else's brain, okay. ever, anywhere. It's not, it's not, oh, I learned six things in school and unconsciously put them together into something new called seven. <laughs> no, there's this other kind of creativity, and all the great scientists shared the, with each other the ability to do this, okay? You name a great scientist... And I will tell you, he was a mystic, or he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. He had to be a mystical scientist in order to create new information that turned out to be true. But science itself is nothing but a methodology for deciding whether information is true yes. or not. Sure. It's really simple. So I'm going to tell you in a couple of phrases how it's done. <laughs> I'll leave out all the stuff about scientific method, mathematics, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to define intelligence as the ability to predict and control events in the real world. Well, what does that sense. mean? It means, for example, if I am holding a pen in my hand, as I am right now, if I hold it over my desk and I drop it, I know that it's going to fall. I just predicted that it would fall, and by golly, it did. In fact, if I'm a little more intelligent, I could tell you how far it falls in a given length of time. Okay, there's a formula for it. S distance equals one-half GT squared. G is 32 feet per second, so that's 16 T squared feet, where T is in seconds. Oh. So if t is one second, t squared is one, and the formula is 16 feet. So if I drop something, I can predict very accurately that in the first second it'll fall 16 feet. That's predicting an event in the real world. Okay, science is based on this notion. Okay, so what I say is that true information, as opposed to false information, is information which, when you believe it's true, increases your intelligence. And if you believe it's false, 
it diminishes your intelligence. Hmm. What so, about those folks that used to think the world was flat? Right. Okay. <laughs> when I was a boy, there were still people on the planet who thought that the spherical world was a hoax and the world was really flat. Still people around believing that, and that ended when Sputnik went up in the sky and we had the first orbiting satellite going around the world taking pictures, and for the first time, we had pictures of the world where you could see the curvature. You could see it was a sphere. Took care of that wow. nonsense. Okay. Yeah. Suddenly, all those flatlanders, those flat earthers, or whatever they were called, you didn't hear from them anymore. <laughs> but imagine being a flat earther and trying to navigate either an airplane or a boat or anything to go any great distance on the surface of the Earth. I don't imagine too many of the people that were flat earthers at the time were bothering with navigation and stuff like that. Oh, they actually were trying really hard to get to where they were going. Okay. <laughs> and and there were methods developed for you know, which over short distances worked pretty well. Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> over short distances, the world is pretty flat. Mm -hmm. But you make the distance longer, and it gets less and less flat. Sure. And the point is that people who believed the world to be flat were less smart, less intelligent about getting around than the people who believed the earth to be spherical. This is an example of... Believing a falsehood lowers your intelligence. Yes, it is. Backing? Got it. I got you. Okay. So the point then is that true information can only be verified. In other words, when you reach out into the quantum universe as part of an octologue uh, and you bring back new information, you don't know if it's true or not. you got to test it. And that's where science comes in. The sole purpose of science, no matter what anyone else tells you, it's not the creation of technology. It's not making life easier. It is determining whether new information is true or false. Right, that's and that's the why the, the Octologue is, uh, is an organization that is optimized to bring about creativity. The scientific method is there to decide whether or not the, uh, the, the, the thing that has been created, the, the information or whatever is, that's been created is true or not. Exactly. You got it. Okay. Okay. Now let's go one step further. Obviously, I'm not going to build many bridges or many roads with only eight people in my group. Yes. You might design okay. a bridge or a road, but you are not going to create that bridge or road in any kind of right. doable amount of time with eight people. That's right. So how am I going to organize a bigger group in order to do bigger projects, things that eight people can't manage on their own? Well, that's not that hard, okay? You get multiple octologues to make a contract with each other to undertake this joint project. Now, true, you've got to know how to write a good contract. You've got to be able to build into the contract all of the really important things about the ethics that will apply to that project. So you're telling me we're not going to be able to get rid of the lawyers? <laughs> I didn't say anything about lawyers. <laughs> oh, on the contrary, uh, I can write a better contract than most lawyers can. <laughs> I, I did learn how to do it from a lawyer. <laughs> 
many, many years ago, I needed to write a contract, and I had a friend who had a cousin who was a lawyer, and he sat down with me over lunch one day and taught me how to write a contract. And, in fact, if you go on uh, Freedom's Phoenix website, there is an article there that I wrote called Ethics, Law, and Government. And that article has as an appendix uh, an explanation of what must be contained in a good contract. So it isn't that hard to find out how to write a good contract. <clears throat> there are many sources of that information. I just gave you one of them. Yes. But the point is that how many people can you have under a contract? As many as you like. You could have millions of people all party to a single contract. Each person, though, would be a member of a group of eight organized as an octolog. Now, the octolog keeps people honest. It keeps people ethical because it isn't an, it isn't an octolog unless you're committed to the ethics. You've got to be committed to maximizing creativity and or its logical equivalent. Now, I can if see a lot of... I'm sorry, Bob. I can see a lot of value to what you're talking about. If you're talking about a new world where we're um, sort of all in groups of eight, um, but I've, I guess I've got some some questions uh, based around that. Um, Good. <laughs> so let's say that I, I'm part of an octologue. I I meet my soulmate because we're you know communing with the universe here, and uh, you know she's 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 the other uh, gender, and we decide for whatever reason our octologue isn't exactly right for us now that we're two people sharing a life together. Mm-hmm. So we decide to leave. Suddenly that, um, and go to another octologue, and one would assume that uh, octologues are probably shifting in size all the time um, to, mm-hmm. because people are you know, deciding to move on and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I guess I'm first asking, is it possible for octologues to, uh, to gain and lose new members, and how does that affect the dynamic well, of the group? It's crucial that they be fluid. For instance, what if you have a situation where seven people in the group are absolutely convinced that a certain action that they want to take is a perfectly ethical action? And one person, maybe because they're neurotic, maybe because they're frightened, maybe because there's something about this proposal that they are aghast about, but they can't convince anyone that it's unethical, and maybe they even know that it's ethical, but they don't want to be a part of it. So they quit. They go find another octolog. Or start their own octolog. Or get kicked out? That can happen, but only if everyone else in the octolog says so. Okay. That's one of the rules of the octolog, that whatever the number of people, whether it's seven or eight or nine, one person can be ousted from the octologue if everyone else agrees that that's the only viable alternative. Okay, it's kind that's of like uh, it's 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 kind of like uh, what was Survival Island? What was the name of that big show? Ah, uh, yes, yes, Survival. Yes, I guess that's, I think that's what it's called. Um, but uh, so um, it, it, then, if two people leave at once, then then you've got an octologue who's not so octologue-y. and um, 
you know, does that that diminishes the value of the group significantly, according to the research um, that you've um, that's true you've done. And so I, I assume they go about there there have to be some kind of system about going about getting new people to move into the group, right? Right. They're going to recruit some some replacements. So I'm uh, and of course makes sense. one of the things that every, every one of the things that everyone in such a system would would want to know how to do is how do you recruit people into an ocular? How yeah. do you find people that are suitable? Craigslist? Okay. Uh, it takes a little training. But again, it's something that if you started learning it early, it would be easy, easy, easy by the time you're an adult. And if you want to learn it as an adult, it can be done. <laughs> you know, I didn't learn it until I was in my mid-30s. Uh, I didn't even know that ethics were important until I was over 30. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a trivial subject. Back when I was in college and supposedly studying philosophy uh, in school, I thought it was a trivial subject, mm-hmm. and now I think it's the most important subject on the, on the planet. <laughs> How we change. <laughs> People change, indeed. So uh, these so, these octologues, um, I... I, are they? What's I, obviously they can do anything. Uh, you're not talking about people living in in um, octets of, uh, you know, in the houses or anything like that. You're talking about people sort of working in a, a let's call it a business or organization, an organization as an octologue or group of octo or you know sets of octologues, right? Yes. By the way, when it comes to a group of octologues that have contracted with each other to do something. I call that group a holotropic matrix, or for short, holomat. Okay. So a, I use the word holomat to refer to multiple octologues working together. And by the way, you can have built into the contract between the octologues, uh, you know, if, if one individual or a group of individuals or one of the octologues leaves the holomat, there may be financial consequences of that, okay? You have a contract. Yeah. And so if if the project depends upon the financial participation of some of the people in the octologue, if not all of them, or in the holomat, then there has to be some understanding about uh, what happens financially and what happens to the project if one or more people withdraw from the group because there's always an out clause. Okay, every, in every octologue and every holomat, there has to be a way for anyone who doesn't want to be a part of it to leave. That's one of the basic rules about octologues and holomats. All contracts. Forced to be there. Uh, any good contract has an exit clause. That's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, uh, any number of octologues can form a holomat and can do anything because now you've got a group of people of any size you need with whatever resources they have between them. They want to buy the land and build a road or uh, buy the uh, uh, place where the bridge is going to go and, you know, charge a toll for crossing the bridge. You name it. Bridges can be had. Roads can be had. Anything worthwhile 
can be had without government. I, you know, Bob, I All think it's need is a big hole of that. I think it's I think it's visionary, and I think that there's uh you know I think it's a really cool way of organizing people, and. I must say, after our first conversation, I spent a lot, lot of time thinking about it. But what obviously I can't do anything about government today, me. But I have this really great system, this uh, the 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 octologues and the holomats. Um, I, I have a really great idea for a system. How do I apply it to my life so that I benefit, so that my organization is uh, you know significantly more creative and therefore manages to eclipse um, other organizations, and you know somehow we can bring about a more uh, creative society. You put your finger on it when you said eclipsing other organizations. It's because I'm a super genius, Bob. <laughs> well, I'm prepared to believe that. <laughs> then if you're you gullible. Two or- if, okay, I'm prepared <laughs> to believe that, too. If you have two organizations of similar size with similar kind of goals, if you will, and they're in competition with each other, and one is a hierarchy and the other one is a holomat, the holomat is going to win the competition hands down. I believe that. I do. I mean, I, okay. I everything everything that you've set up to this point, uh, I absolutely agree with. It, it makes sense to really? me. And uh, so, you know, if I were to, say, hire a few people on Free Talk Live, we put together ourselves here a, an octo uh, log and, you know, it's going to it's going to make the show better and um, the business better. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, what's that going to look like, I guess? Well, first of all. There are several, several things that, that I need to say about where we're at in this conversation right now. First of all, you can get a lot of information about this stuff on my website. Yes. Okay. The website is titaniums.org. I'll give that in, in phonetics. It's Tango, India, Tango, Alpha, November, India, Alpha, November, Sierra, titanians.org. Okay. You'll find a lot of information there. I've only given you in this chat we've had so far the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Okay? We're cramming into one hour information about which I can talk for at least 30 hours without repeating myself with more and more and more useful information as one goes on. Now, I am available... You can, you can, by the way, I have a couple of books in print. You can get them on Amazon. One is called Borg Wars. One is called Make It So. Borg is an acronym for business, or if you like, big business, or if you prefer, big banking business. It's all B. The OR is organized religion, and the G is government. These are the institutions that people expect to solve their societal problems. And guess what? These are the institutions that create the problem. So Borg Wars is about the nature of the problem, the big problem that we face as a species. Make It So is about octologues and holomats and how we can solve the problem. Now, when you find these books on Amazon, they'll say out of stock, out of print. No matter, you can order it. And they will order it from PageFree, and PageFree will print it and send it to you, uh, you know, once you've paid for it. So just because 
Amazon doesn't tell you that they have it in stock doesn't mean you can't order it and get it. Got it. These books are available. In addition, there may be a few people who actually want to call me up and talk to me. I'm going to give you two phone numbers. My home number is 561-216-2162. Boy, I hope that goes well for you, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a few phone calls from interesting people. I have never had someone call me up and give me a hard time, though I'm prepared for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My cell phone is 561-542-5800. If I happen to be out and about when you call, I may or may not answer. If I'm in in, tra- in traffic, I won't. Try me later. <laughs> now, why would I want you to contact me? Well, there are two reasons. One is you've got questions. I'm open to answering some questions over the phone. I also reserve the right to say, ah, that's too big a question for me to manage in one little phone call. Secondly... I'm hoping that there are groups out there who would like to hire me to come and teach them how to do this stuff. I'm available for that. You know, you pay the expenses, you pay the expenses and a nominal fee for my time. And I will come to you anywhere in the country and teach you everything you need to know about organizing in this way. How long would one of those courses? That. How long would one of those courses take? It depends on the size of the organization. Actually, no, it doesn't depend on the size of the organization. The initial course, the one that teaches what I call titanium citizenship, is a three-day course. It starts on a Friday evening. It ends Sunday afternoon, and it's actually about uh, oh, twenty-four, about thirty hours that course. It, it, it makes you a titanium citizen. It teaches you how to organize octologues, uh, how to contract holomats, and how to do uh, autopoiesis so that you can actually uh, amplify the creativity of the group using autopoiesis, because that's what it does. So, it's a weekend, basically. Now, Bob, um, um, I, I didn't hear an email address for you. Um, at, at least I don't remember it. And I want to, okay. uh, you know, I, I, we've sure. got to wrap this up. And I want to stay in touch. I think that this, you know, the stuff you're talking about is just fascinating. And I'm sure that some of my listeners will want to be in touch with you, too. Um, so okay. Th- that, I, I think my, web, my address, my, my, uh, the email address that is probably best is two titaniums. That's T-W-O, Titanians, just like the website, titanians.org, two titanians at yahoo.com. Okay. Well, thank you very I much. I have a number. Oh, go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, Are uh, we finished? Yeah. We've well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wrap up, but I, I just, uh, you were, you were going to say um, after, before I interrupted you? Well, I just wanted to say that, first of all, it's a real pleasure uh, talking with you and talking with your audience. Uh, I'm open to having uh, similar interviews where people call in and ask questions. Uh, I also invite people to uh, search for me on Freedom's Phoenix. I have a number of articles posted there that 
listeners might find interesting. And uh, I really would love to see uh, a, a major shift happen in how we organize everything. You and me Okay? Both. We don't need government. <laughs> I think that's clear by now. I sure hope so. Okay. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. And uh, I look forward to the next time. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com.